0: This episode of The Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. This month's Loot Crate is a head-to-head rough-and-tumble battle for your senses. They're celebrating the fighting heroes, battling rogues, 8-bit brawlers, and other factions that you love from some of your favorite geek and gaming favorites, including exclusive Mega Man and Assassin's Creed collectibles. They're also items from Halo, Street Fighter, and more. They've got another exclusive t-shirt this month with a design you will not find anywhere else. You do not want to miss out on the action in November. You have until the 19th of November at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when that cutoff happens, that's it. It's over, Jack. So make sure to head over to lootcrate.com combat. And enter code COMBAT, C-O-M-B-A-T, to save 10% on any new subscription. That's LootCrate.com slash COMBAT. dot com slash COMBAT. And enter promo code COMBAT, C-O-M-B-A-T, to save 10% on any new subscription. Stop playing around and game like a boss at Loot Crate. And now, on to the Combat Jack Show with Bomani Jones. no ready for combat. No escaping. Be ready for combat. combat. Yeah. The Combat Jack Radio Show. Stay internet. You're tuned into the Combat Jack Show. The CombatJackShow.com. What's up, Pete? What's going on, Combat? Man, listen. You know I love this guy right
1: here, man. Most definitely.
0: I remember during the, the, the Halcyon days. Ooh. Of like the black blogger renaissance. I used to read his blogs and just be like, Yo, there's a there's a comrade over there that's doing the same thing that we're doing. Mm. And then the last time he was on this show, about a year and a half ago, you know, he was doing some humble things and he was like, I will never leave Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> he said that. I'm gonna stay here. And now, years later, look at this man, Bomani Jones, co-host of ESPN's show, the highly questionable mm. and the podcast, the Evening Jones Internet's. Welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Once again, Mr. Bobani Jones, what's up, sir?
2: Appreciate it, man. What's going on? And to be clear, I said I was not leaving Durham unless somebody gave me one hell of a reason to leave. Is that what you said? And then they gave me a hell of a reason to leave. They gave you a hell of a reason to leave. Yeah, I ran out of stuff to do in Durham, honestly. Like, I stayed there (laughs) for 10 years, and there was just no more money for me to make in Durham.
0: How does Miami compare to Durham, man? You know,
2: it's interesting. I think Miami would probably hit a little bit harder on me if I was still, like, 25. Right. Right?
0: What do you mean, like, hard? Like,
2: well... Miami, I like the thing I liked about Durham is like my parents are college professors. Like if you're intellectually curious, it's a good place to be because you can right. find all kinds of intellectually curious people, and you have great conversations and stuff like that. And Miami is a lot of things, but intellectually curious is not high up on the <laughs> list, right? Like that's just not what it is. But it has a whole lot of benefits to it. they are worse places to be. So like after ten years in North Carolina, <laughs> Miami, you know Miami is right on top.
0: Now you were in a situation, man, where you you know you you looked up. You had a deal with Fox, and all of a sudden now you have a bidding war with between Fox and ESPN.
2: Yeah, it was a good time to not have a job. Right. Because basically what had happened was all these different companies were starting their sports networks. So NBC had started their sports network. Fox was getting Fox Sports 1 going. Everybody had something going. And I was in... I guess you could say a bit of a unique position in that I had a platform on ESPN, but I didn't have a contract. Right. So if you wanted somebody that had some visibility, but was not necessarily seen as being establishment per se, there I was right there, needing a job, want to give me a job, there we go. And I thought it was going to go one direction. And then out of nowhere, it went the other direction. And the thing that had happened was I'd never been to Miami before last March.
0: You had never been?
2: I'd never been. Right. Right. So all these decisions were being made and things had come up. And one thing had come up was the idea or the option of going to Miami and doing things like I'm doing right now. But I'd never been there. I'd never been in a room with Dan Levitar before. I hadn't done any of that stuff. So how could I sign up for that without knowing more right. about it? So I was like, eh, no, nah. so I was going in one direction.
0: Now, now, where would you have been if you had you gone with Fox?
2: Um, probably on Fox Sports Live, their nighttime show.
0: But where? what city would you live in? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah, which is a whole other.
2: Right. And see, I've lived out there before. Okay. You know, in LA, LA's got pluses because one good thing about LA is there's a lot of people building and grinding. Like, a difference between LA and Miami nobody goes to Miami to work. Right. You go to Miami to hang out. <laughs> if you hang out and you like hanging out when you're there, you decide you want to come because you want to hang out there. Yes. LA, say what you want about it. If you're moving to LA for whatever reason, you're going to be working. You're working. Like, everybody's right. going there to work. Like, that Star is Born shit is work, right? You know, you're waiting tables, you're going to auditions, whatever it is, but people are grinding, right? Miami isn't about to grind, right? So I was like, LA this is going to be cool. It'll be around some different people. And Think- you had already
0: made up your mind.
2: Yeah, I was there. Right. I was pretty much there. And then what had happened was, what happened I after? happened, this was like pure coincidence. Yes. So uh, the dude I get my suits from, he's a dude in Hong Kong and he comes around to the US twice a year. Fancy. And he happened to be in Miami in March. Mm-hmm. And I had scheduled a chance to go to Miami and I was like, hey, while I'm there, I go down, I hang out with Dan. I hadn't done that before. That way I could deduct the trip, you know, because mm-hmm. it suddenly became business, right. right? Cool. So before I left, I called the people I was working with, uh, the folks on How to Question When I said, look, I'm going to be in Miami. And they said, yeah, why don't you come down? So I said, you know what? Before I left, I was like, I'll just throw a jacket and shirt in just in case. Yeah. So I get down there. I go to the studio. We did the show for two days. And I flew back home after I got fitted up for the clothes. Like, I basically went and bought all the clothes I thought I was going to need to be Mm -hmm. on TV five days a week Mm -hmm. on a nighttime show. Mm -hmm.
0: God, that cost so much money, right? (laughs) It was like
2: I had to get – you know, I I was not prepared for that life.
0: It costs a lot to be grown up. Yeah,
2: exactly, right? So it had to be done. And so I had ordered all that stuff, and I did the show with them for those two days. And I got back to North Carolina, and I called my agent. And I was like, okay, we got to figure out how to change this up a little bit right. like like this is different like it's a different story once you'd actually been in the room with people and you knew how you could work with them and you had like a better idea of what it was going to be so right. then once i figured that out then we got to talking and kind of figuring out what we wanted to do and the conclusion ultimately came there was no better person for me to work with than dan right and there was no producer that would be better for me than eric rideholmes creator of pti he's the right. guy that does this mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. so once all that math was done and that was taken care of you know, sometimes people got to be mad at you. Yeah. Right. Like that, that that's just that's that's just what it comes down to. Exactly. You, you look up and you realize I have put these people in a very uncomfortable situation. Right. And that's really terrible. But if one of us has got to be uncomfortable and I'm the one that gets to make the decision, it ain't about to be me.
0: I mean, but when you look at your situation, man, and you've been independent for so long yeah. and now you have a bidding war, that's like fucking waking up and having Rihanna and Jennifer Lopez fighting Look, each other to give you the fanny.
2: Well, especially when I've been getting fired pretty consistently for the better part of the last 15 years. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I can list all the jobs. Sometimes it was, you know, sometimes it was some nonsense. Sometimes it was just kind of the breaks of the game. Like, I'm cool with most of the people that made decisions that they weren't going to have me work like that anymore, right. right? But that was the first time that I'd ever been in a situation where it was like, really? So there's more than one people that might, more, more than one person that might want me to right. work for them. Right, that right, right, That right. had never happened for me before like i'd been like critically acclaimed you know like like real like the real thing critically acclaimed you ain't selling no records you know you're
0: selling wooden
2: right i'd been there or it's like you're critically acclaimed and then you got to figure out how to control your own distribution so you can keep the money or whatever it was this this was a little different because i'd worked for ESPN. I guess, in 2007, when I, was free, when I was writing with them, and they didn't renew my contract in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I had reached the conclusion that that was a place that I was never going to be again. Mm-hmm. And then Around the Horn came around after I'd done a little bit of freelance writing stuff. And I was like, okay, this is interesting, but that was still like freelance stuff. You right. never could have told me seven years ago that I would be on a television show on that network. Because I had concluded that whatever it was that I did was just simply not something that they wanted. And I wasn't heard about it. That was just what it was. So I made a decision on structure in my career that we're not going to approach this like ESPN is the goal because we've been there and it didn't work, it didn't work out. for us. Right. Yeah. So I decided I was going to do things the way that I did them for those years. Then they came back. And now I do things like I did them for those years. Right. I just do it for them. And it fits. It works. It fits. It and works. works. I found the, I found the lucky situation of the people that I wanted to work with. And the people working for that could learn about how to do, I don't know anything about doing a television show, right? Like I learned to do radio on the fly. TV is a whole different thing to learn. Right. And I'm with people that I've really learned how to do this. And I'm with a guy that's next to me where we both have a situation where we're not threatened by each other. So this isn't going to turn into something where you're looking on TV and we just obviously can't stand each other, you know, because that <laughs> happens with people. It, where that that you, is a
0: thing, right? Yeah. Where, where you're working with somebody and you can't stand them and it's like, you know, some person intimidates the other person. Yeah. Have you been in that situation?
2: I've been in similar situations like that, it, but the one I'm in now is just nothing right. like that. Nothing like that. And What I think happens with a lot of people, though, is if the work you're doing or the show you're on kind of defines your existence and the way you see yourself, you need to feel important. Like, right. you look at anywhere else where things tend to go bad is where one person or another feels the need to be important. That's what it is. Isn't
0: that a great... I mean, Pete, when when when, when Damon Dash was on the show, mm-hmm. one of the most important things that he said was you know, either you're that person and you're going to do what you do regardless or that job defines you. Once that job is gone, you're gone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that happens to a lot of people.
2: You know, like, especially in my business, you have to think about this. So if you were a sports columnist at a newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the lead columnist at a Mm -hmm. newspaper, there's a whole city that when it's time to decide how to think about something, Mm -hmm. they're coming to look at you. I mean, that's a, you know, and if that's something you always wanted to be, that's a really big deal. I'm working with Dan where Dan just wanted to work for the Miami Herald. That's what he wanted to do and he became a columnist at the Miami Herald something like 20 years ago. Like he was way ahead of the curve. (laughs) He's done the things that he wants to do and where it makes him rare, I think is really uncommon to somebody to work with is that, there are not a lot of people that would open their platform up to share it with somebody like me. Mm. There just aren't. And he did. And it's right. never been a problem. And he's like, oh, with his family, like his mom was my realtor. Like if I need something, <laughs> like if I need something done. So he really
0: I- embraced you. Yes. Right.
2: And there's no way, I can't imagine another person who in the same situation would have handled that the way that he has handled this. And it's
1: genuine. I, I was telling you off air. I was telling you how watching you guys is—you like just gel so well together. Yeah, and 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 I feel like you guys are teaching each other things and then doing what you do together.
2: No, we are. He's a, the thing is Dan's a generational talent. Like you can't lose sight of that. Because like a writer in particular, he is a rare generational talent, and he has a gift of being on television and being warm and inviting in a way of making you like him. Right? Like I don't have that. I'll never have that. You might like me, but it ain't because I'm making you like me. It's you know somewhere between begrudging and respect, and I can't believe. <laughs> We, we like you,
0: Bomani. Well, I appreciate that. Right. You know,
2: <laughs> you know, but it's not. But Dan, like Dan, is like Dan has it in a way that I don't, and I've learned some things from watching that. Right. And what, what have you learned? What have I learned? Yeah. Well, one thing I've learned, and I think it helps that situation that I'm in, is that I've done a lot of shows that don't let you smile very much. Mm. And so people think I'm a little bit more charged up and angry than I actually am. And so with Dan, I'm in a place where it's comfortable. And he, and what he told me very early on, he was like, look, I see some things, and I can help you out with these things. And he's like, I can help soften you a mm. little bit. And not in a standpoint of like making me to a different person, right. but if you know me personally, there are things about me that you might not be able to see on television or here on the like on the radio, you can hear it because there's more space to stretch out on television. You don't always have that. And Dan has done a good job of helping to put me in situations that allow people to see me perhaps in a light that they might not have otherwise, sometimes because of my mistakes, sometimes because of their biases. But at the end, I'm the one that's got to figure it out. Right.
0: Right. 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 So different tax bracket. A little bit. Yeah. How has your life changed?
2: I had a 650-square-foot balcony, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like,
2: that's the, the one thing. I had, uh, When the Revolt Music Conference kept, went down, one of my buddies came. And it, the, the fun part for me is the only thing I said I was really going to spend money on when I got there was the place like i'm gonna get a nice spot right. like i'm gonna be careful on this car thing i bought a car about a year before i moved down there that i thought could hold me through i'm holding on tight not to do nothing stupid about that right, but right. i was like i'm gonna get the nice place so when i started looking at apartments dan's mom she loves the beach she oh she if you could have her way everybody will stay on the beach so she took me downtown as i said i wanted to go downtown and she's like okay now i'll take you to the beach so i went to this one place this was way up on the beach, like 70th. And we walked in, and the carpets were ratty and the appliances were old. But when you walked in, and you pushed the door open, it was boom, water, right? right? Like you just pushed the door straight out the glass, it was boosh, water. And it was like, wow. I ain't gonna get this one, but I gotta get one of these, one of these, one of these. Right, right. So when I went and got one of
0: those. Okay, but no dumb, you're not, you're not sniffing cocaine off nah, a strippers' ass. Nah, you're not buying Rolexes hey, for the crew. Hey,
2: this, this, this one contract could be the last, <laughs> right? Like that's that's the one thing you got to remember. And this is right. why I've held off on the car in particular. Once you get to a certain level on the car, you're not going back, right? right. Like that's what, just how what people- What car are. do you really want
0: though? Like what, what car <laughs> is calling you?
2: Let me tell you what's funny about that. At one point the car called okay, right? Yeah. I was like, I got a car. So I hit all the people I knew who like really knew cars. And I got my brother. I was like, okay, what car should I want to get? And he gave me, ran through a list. And one of them was that Mercedes CLS 550, mm. right? Mm. And I had never seen it. I'd never thought about it. But then I looked it up. and was like, I'd like a CLS 550. But then I was like, nope. I'm not going to do that. We're going to wait. You know what happened after I became aware of the CLS 550? I look across the parking garage behind me, and there's a CLS 550. I get to work, and I get to the parking lot, and what's there? A CLS 550. 550. So, like, every time I'm trying not to think about this CLS 550, I keep seeing the damn CLS 550 everywhere. Yeah, man, but then then the thing changed, though, because now I I live on Miami Beach and our studio's on Miami Beach. So I drive 40 blocks. And I just can't rationalize spending that kind of money on a car to drive 40 blocks if I can't get over 30 miles an hour. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> like, that's that's the Miami thing. You see the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris. They're like, nobody can go faster than 30 miles an hour on the beach. Yes. I can't do that.
0: What is it about Miami that you don't like?
2: What is it about Miami that I don't like? Well, for one, Miami is incredibly segregated and racist. Mm. Um, I wound up kind of having to make the trade between do I want to have this 650 square foot balcony on the beach or do I want to live around my people? And I chose the balcony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it happens like that sometimes, right, 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 right. and I would like my people a right. little bit more, right. you know. And part of that's me though, because I'm in a, like I don't have an office. Like you get to a new place in your 30s, you try to make friends. Like I don't go to church, I don't play basketball. You make friends at work, right. but it's not an office. Like I drop in, we do the show, we leave. I do all the stuff from the house. So like that's dope, though. Yeah, it, it's got pluses, right? right. If I, but if I could import like a couple of my friends, because whenever my friends come, it's ball, you know. But I'm not quite. My, me and Miami are different types right but you know
0: and and ra- racism is different in different places right like New York racism is like it's real subtle you don't see it and then you're like, why the fuck am I choking it down? <laughs> Right, you, you know, exactly. know what I'm saying? Exactly, and, and, and but you're in Florida, though. Man. Yeah, my, Florida's a whole different.
2: Well, Miami's weird though because it's Florida, yes, but then it's the other thing: it's all these people from different countries, right. and I do think that people have a misunderstanding that speaking Spanish means you're not white, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's white people in all these different countries, and right. in a lot of those countries, they speak Spanish, right. right? So when you're the only black dude that people see, and you are in places that they don't expect you to be necessarily, that can be a little bit weird and awkward. Like I've had people do things. A couple days ago, I was talking to somebody about this. I came out the garage to walk to work and this white couple was ahead of me Mm -hmm. and they were walking down the alley and there was a there's a a bum i don't know what the politically correct term for bums is these days but was a bum sitting on the corner and they'd walk past them and i walk past and they turn back i was like okay no big they turn back and they look and they walk a little farther and then they turn back again and i'm like okay y'all are really worried about this bum and then they just stop and so i keep walking and i get about two steps past them and then they start walking
0: behind you again right right
2: And look, I grew up in Texas. In
0: front of you or behind you? They They started walking behind me. Okay, yeah.
2: Like, I grew up in Texas. Like, it's not like I've, you know, grew up in some utopian world where you aren't aware of the level of racism. I ain't never had nobody like. Just stop and let me walk past them, mm. like I did. See, so
0: like, hold yeah. up, yeah. this is they're talking about yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, get checked for ID a right. little bit more right, on right, 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 stuff right,
2: right. than right. previously. I've been pulled over more really? than I'd ever been pulled yeah. over. Uh, I went ten years in Durham and never got pulled over. Never. Like I've, I've been pulled over three or four times since I got to Miami. Right. Um,
0: Imagine if you had the CLS, B.
2: and see yeah, that was shit. shit. Oh
0: my but, goodness, but, that was <laughs> that was you know
2: though, that was part of the CLS the CLS decision though. Right, it was right. like the CLS looks like something you could blend in, like. I not about to be out here driving a Batmobile. Like, right. then you're going to get jacked you're up. Jacked up, yeah. No matter what, you're going get to get the, jacked yeah.
1: up. If, if that's the case, then get the S500. Yeah, uh-uh. yeah, Like
2: If you're going to do that, yeah. then you right. might as well go all the way.
0: Now, now, you said that you don't really work in the office, you work in the studio. Yeah. But is there like corporate politics now that you're really in it? Not really. It, not really.
2: Because we're not in Bristol. Okay, so uh, I know people who work in Bristol kind of have a different situation, but our producers and our bosses, they're in Washington, D.C., and they're busy doing PTI and all of that stuff. So they got fish to fry that they've got to work with. And so we're down and we talk to them, you know, the satellite and we go back and forth and we get everything done. But there's nobody like really over us. So I'm sure there are corporate politics that come into different things. But they never really come up in my world. Right, right, right. I really, I'm really, i in a really in an advantageous situation where I'm working with people that I like and people who are bright and we do what we do and people don't hassle us.
0: Now, Bomani, from the outside looking in, it, it seems like they hired you to really speak your mind because you do a great job of speaking your mind. But the dangerous thing about being in a position like yours is they push you to do what you're supposed to do until there's controversy. And then they throw you on that sword. You ever find yourself second guessing yourself, man?
2: Because one thing is nobody pushes me to say anything ridiculous. Right. And the people whom I work with are they got my back. Right. right. So if there's something like we were shooting something today that came up and I can't remember what Dan said. I think it was really just a matter of phrasing. It's not like he said anything really off the hook. And they were like, hey, you might want to say that a different way. Just kind of to spare you um i've never had any experience with espn really at least on the television side where i felt like people were pushing you to be more provocative right i'm lucky in the sense that people get mad at me all the time anyway like i don't have to go out of my way to do provocative stuff like i can actually just give you a rundown of facts and it'll do the same job like i have not had a situation that i can think of that i've gotten close to getting in trouble at any of the jobs that I've had, and I don't think I've had to sacrifice any of that edge in the name of that. I Look, I know what I can get away with. Right. I know what I can't get away with. And if I can't walk it back to you to discuss what it is, then I'm probably not going to say it.
0: And you got people around you also that are coaching you like, Bomani, Like you might want to say that different. Yeah, but, but, you know, but
2: it, it rarely even comes to that, right. to be honest. I guess I've been doing this for a while now and from writing and everything else that – I got a pretty good idea. Like, I know when I'm wrong. Right. And if something's going to be wrong, if you got any reservation about whether or not you should say something, don't. Right. Like, that's what it, that's really what it comes down to right there. If you're not sure if you should say it, you could even say on the air, yep, almost said something. <laughs> but if you really have a reservation,
0: don't. Don't trust your gut. Right, because then
2: also if you have the reservation, and then they come and they do something to you, you get in trouble. I mean, what are you really going to say? Like, people always get mad when they get in trouble at this stuff, and I shouldn't have. Man, you know when you've gone just a little bit too
0: far. You know, it's funny, man. The only time, and, and you know, we're totally independent, but the only time I ever – Question myself was when we did the Lord Jamar episode Mm. and Lord Jamar spoke that Lord Jamar. Mm -hmm. And the morning that I was about to push the post button, I was like, You never know what you say, yeah, and how they can take that spin, right, and how it turns against you, yeah.
2: Well, you know where I got to practice, though? It was actually doing satellite radio because mm. when I was working at that's, the sport That's
0: right. You've already had. I got,
2: right. I did satellite, right. but I was doing satellite differently because I was trying to figure out how to parlay that, that satellite job into something else. Mm-hmm. So I was always aware of the fact, okay, we're going to podcast this, but we're going to podcast this and send it to people who are not necessarily in line with the sensibility of satellite radio, but you can't be on satellite radio and not push some because that's what that's what the audience is there for the media
0: that's what they subscribe
2: that's what they're coming for right so i had to be careful about it but i'm working at a radio station where the logo is somebody flipping the middle finger yeah like i decided very quickly that i was going to need to (laughs) rein it in more than they did right Right. because like that was good for them but that ultimately wasn't going to be good for me so that meant from there where i was really in charge of what was going on we start figuring out what you can and cannot say and what you can and cannot do and then i did the sb nation stuff where we had more rope and we could figure it out. It was just like, look, logically, if what we're saying is true, then this is what we're gonna do. Right. You know, but like I'm never gonna say anything like this, I'm saying this to make you mad. I may say something knowing that it will make you mad, but it is never gonna be, well, I'm about to go out here and stir the pot. Yeah. No nah, man, that's <laughs> but, when you get
1: fired. Yeah. Even something like with with Stephen A. Smith, you know, and, and, and being such an opinionated guy like himself. You know, he walked himself into, you know, having them suspend him for a couple of days. And yep. a lot of people... I mean, there was so much flack from that. but mm-hmm. People feeling that, you know, what he said, they, they understood. Some people said he shouldn't have delivered it like the way he did. I mean, but he was being himself... And you know, And he
0: was doing what they pay him to
1: do from, yes, from the outside and, looking yeah, in. Once it, again. it reminds me so much of like radio too. It's like, you know, they they, they won't like they want to hear people want to hear good songs, but they're only gonna play with the program that's gonna allow you to play. But
2: but to be fair though, like they do pay you to be edgy, Yes, but if there is no threat of punishment on the other side, then are you actually being edgy, right? Like, that's the one thing I do think that people kind of forget. Yeah, is that's that, a good
0: point. I never thought about yeah, it.
2: Yeah, like because if, no, if there's no consequence. So, like, you say the guys on Sirius, for example, who say ridiculous stuff from time to time, right? It stops coming off as being edgy because you can just do whatever it is that you want. Like, there is a talent to being able to do the things that people want you to do. While being, I guess, tasteful for lack of a better so term. So like
0: walking to that end. Yeah, yeah.
2: And you just but you I I do think though that when people say that they feel pressure to be provocative and then when they go too far, they get fired. Well, that's the definition of too far. Right. Right? Like that's how it goes. So if you're gonna do it, you can go ahead and do it and you can go ahead and go hard, but you don't get to decide how other people are going to react to what you say once it's said. And if you can't calmly walk it back after you said it then maybe you got yourself in some measure, you know, maybe yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah. But worse come to worse, a lot of these guys who get suspended and get in trouble, I mean, they got the cake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you miss a couple of checks or whatever it is. You'll they got, right. they got, yeah, they got, the ke- right. they got the cake. People have noticed it. it happened, whatever it is. And if you thought your point was that important and just needed to be said, ride with it. then you just got to ride with yeah, yeah. it. Like that was the interesting thing about the Stephen A thing. Cause I'll never, I can't go too deep into it. But the thing I did think was interesting is that in all the years that we have been alive in this world and having these arguments about domestic violence, you, no matter who you are, you are not going to be the one to make that point. You know what I mean? Mm. You're, you you, you got to have a spectacular confidence in yourself to be like, I'm going to finally make people understand this. You are not going to be the one that makes that point. Chris <laughs> Brown didn't even try to make that point. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, You're just not going to be the guy. To make that point, right?
1: Even I tell you, even when uh, um, Paul George was on Twitter talking, and I seen you say, "Someone, go get your boy, (laughs) Paul George." You're not gonna make this boy right now, Paul George. (laughs) What what are you doing? (laughs) You
2: are sometimes you just have to look up and realize. Like when I was in graduate school. I used to have all these like half-baked economic theories, right? And I would always be like, well, I don't understand why people don't say this. And half the time, the reason people don't say this is somebody actually did say this. And for one reason or another, you came to realize that that was actually not as smart as you believed it to be, right? right? Like I got have all these things like, oh, this theorem that won the Nobel Prize, clearly they're not thinking about da-da-da. No, actually they had, right. right? Like that's already been obliterated and knocked out the sky, right? Right. That's how I feel about a lot of these days that people get themselves suspended for. Like, I, you know what? Somebody needs to say it, man. It ain't got to be you because I know and it and ain't and got and to be got me. It got to be said right now. Yeah, I, I know it ain't got to be me, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, say what you want about me. Think about this and all the things you've seen. And I say a lot. Like, I you take a lot, a lot of shots. I'm gonna miss some shots. Right. That's fine. But there hadn't been one shot that you've seen where you've been like, "Ooh, I think he might get in trouble for that one." Yeah. That that's not what that ain't about. To, that, that's not it. It may get me one day, but it's not because I'm not trying to avoid it.
0: You know, I, I think you know from my perspective you 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 were you were very brilliant when you were analyzing the Donald Sterling situation I appreciate and, it. And, and you were very honest brutally honest i thought that was, that was one of those situations where it might fuck you up. Well,
2: you know, what though, the part that I thought, I thought there, there was one thing to legitimately criticize in what I said at that time, which was I said something about how Donald Sterling um, was not handling his women properly. Right. And, there were a lot, and there were a lot of women who made the point to me that that came across badly. And I understood exactly what they meant. Now, what I was saying was this. It wasn't a matter of him necessarily being in charge. But if you're going to be the dude that has a wife and has a mistress and you can't stop your wife from suing your mistress, I'm not saying that you need to go down there and lay down the law, but somehow you need to finesse this situation to stop your wife from suing your mistress. Right. Right. It's not about Con- being
0: controller, buddy.
2: Yeah, it's not about being domineering or anything necessarily. But somehow some. Control way, your house, my yeah, man Yeah, if you are if you are this is your situation. It ain't their situation. Right. It's your situation. it's your situation. And if you can't manage your situation to keep you and your women out of court with each other, then maybe this pimping thing is not for it's you. not for you, Pimp. Right, but the way that I said it, I could certainly and totally understand why somebody would hear that and say that that was sexist. Like, I totally got it. But right. if, you're, if it was a woman with two dudes and you can't stop her from coming to your job and fighting, I would look at it the exact same way, right? right. right? Then after that, I said the thing about how if you're having sex with Magic Johnson... <laughs> um And I, I'm sorry, I hold to that. Yeah, I, I, that,
0: that, that is, that's crazy, right? Yeah, I thought I might. He's get like, it. you could have sex with, with <laughs> right. magic, right. but don't, but but don't bring him yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah. No, 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 it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's the
2: it's the don't
0: have sex and bring him over. Yeah, right?
2: and like somebody t- uh, that was the one I thought maybe would cause something, but I thought
0: nobody. Oh, no, right.
2: no, we got all these campaigns and safe sex about using condoms. Why? Because you never know who might have what. Yes. Well, when you know with somebody has then it's a completely different ball game now isn't it right you man. can sleep no 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 let me know like if that's what this is mm. let me know
0: now have you encountered magic after that man no
2: i have not um i have not taught i have not encountered <laughs> magic and Are tr- you
0: looking forward to that dude and if i what, what I mean what, what you gonna say. What you gonna say? Right? What you you out here doing the same commercials for condoms,
2: right? Like what are you going to say? Like this this is how the game works. The whole reason that's the whole reason
1: we use these things. Yes. Jim Browski. <laughs> you never know.
2: You never know. But then when like the other part came, I didn't think there was gonna be any problem with that because I right. knew I just had facts. Right, right, right. Like I knew I absolutely had facts. You're I talking did.
0: about when you pulled it back and Yeah. you're talking about listen, if you guys are mad at him for this bullshit. Yeah for the shit that he said to his mistress but the the true crime. Yeah, and they caught me the, against humanity that he's done. Right,
2: and they caught me the wrong week because right. I did have a friend get shot to death 4 days beforehand in Chicago on the way back from the anti-violence rally that she was helping to organize, right. fundraiser that she was helping to organize. Like that was a debilitating thing. Like I was I was in her wedding. Like do the math on that. Like that's how close we happened to be. So then Dan asked the question about it and I think Dan Dan knows how I feel about a lot of things. and tries to bring them out in front of people. And I don't always feel like bringing them out in front of people. But I was just, I didn't have any energy left. It was like this,
0: you were coming off of like this righteous indignation. I was done. But it hit the nerve, man.
2: I didn't, I had no idea that would happen like that. The YouTube video somebody put up about that probably had a million views. Like, I don't think I'd done anything that had ever Ever. been consumed that much. Next thing I know, I'm on MSNBC and, like, going to all these different places and I'm looking at who's following me, and it's like, wow, this is – it never dawned on me that that would be the thing. And then I laughed because I was like, boy, all you guys who think you're coming in to get all this serious coverage of economic issues, whoo, boy, wait till you (laughs) find out – wait till you find out what this really is. Yeah,
0: man. You know, I want to go back uh, to – to Lord Jamar, man, because I've been <laughs> listening to your your, your podcast on <laughs> the Evening Jones. Did you really call him the Proz of the brand oh, new? He is the, the Proz brand new. You think so?
2: Oh, I mean, somebody got to be the Proz. You think so? Somebody's got to be. It ain't. It ain't. It ain't Puba. It ain't.
0: No, no, no. It ain't <laughs> no, It ain't, it, it ain't, it ain't Pooba. It ain't, it ain't Dottie either. It ain't, but listen, listen. When you go back, I mean, because you're a rap fan. Yeah. When you go back to Brand Newbian, you know they dropped the 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 one for all it was yeah this is the classic time. album. Poobah left. Yeah. The band wasn't supposed to last. That's fair. The, the band wasn't supposed to last. That's fair. And to me, my personal favorite brand newbie album is In God We Trust.
2: That is a good record.
0: Because it was like, I didn't expect shit. Right. And punks jump up to beat.
2: Yes. You get beat mm. down, mm. Right. so
0: so really the prize, man. Look, man, here's or is this a little? Is this a little in terms of uh, in terms of what he's been saying? It's a little of
2: both. The one right. thing though, I will I will never forget this though. that brand new being foundation album came out, right? Yes. And if I recall, that came out oh, was September twenty ninth, ninety eight. The same day that the volume two came out, the love movement came out, Aquim and I came out. Like the day we were all figuring out who all would buy what, and we would pass them around. And that foundation, I was ready for that foundation record to came out. Come out, I was so hyped. And if I remember, man, the first line was Lord Jamar, 360 degrees, a stand in the square, right over left. And I was like, damn, every single track on that record. Like, my last Lord Jamar memory is him bringing up the rear on every single track. Now, his little- pause,
1: Good pause. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. We got that. I forgot, yeah, I, I forgot you guys still yeah, do, that. do that. Yeah, we do that. But I, I will say this. It is in part because it is crazy stuff that he's doing right now. Where did, My whole point on that, though, is – if he is the prize of Brand Nubian, which you may not agree with, but right. if he is, like I feel like people are giving Lord Jamar's opinion a level of weight based on the fact that we used to listen to him rap. Right. You know what I mean. So if people get charged up and mad at Lord Jamar, and you're allowed to. But if you didn't think about Lord Jamar for 15 years before this happened, maybe you don't like have to think about Lord Jamar. You know, right it's, now. It's,
0: it's it's interesting. I'm not. I don't give Lord Jamar weight because he used to rap. Right. I, I give him weight because I think sometimes it's really interesting to hear somebody with a completely different perspective than I have. Now I don't I don't necessarily agree yeah. what he says, but it's like it's good to know that some people really think like that.
2: I do agree with and you. And
0: him being like one thing that I'm blown away with in twenty fourteen is somebody like him who's totally comfortable and confident and being honest with his views.
2: Now I will say this though, yeah. for him in that way, he's in a bit of a lane that allows him to be that dude. There's one thing about he's, it.
0: He's carved out that he's carved, land over the years. Yeah, I
2: mean, that's the, well, that's the other thing, too. When you start going back, talking about, like, the brand newbie and stuff and, like, the 5% of stuff that we listened to at a point where I think we didn't quite – Break it down and think about it right. in those same ways. Like so, CeeLo is a great example of this. Where CeeLo got in this trouble recently. You go back and listen to that Goody Mob stuff, man. It's not nearly as smart mm. as we believe that mm. it was. Yeah. Like it sounded really smart to me when I was like fifteen. It, it,
0: it never sounded smart to me because yeah. you know I you, was a yeah up New York exactly. Right? And you were older, but you know, you know, I
2: overstand I understand overstand third eye shit, man. I you know, my yeah. brother. But, but that's but that's that's like five. <laughs> that's the five percent of life. Yeah, like yeah, the five percent of life is full of all these axioms and rules. They're Wait a minute, man! That shit don't make no sense, you know. <laughs> and so, with a cat like Lord Jamar, you're right. He's got his lane, and he can say all this stuff. And,
0: and he's he, got an audience, right?
2: And he doesn't really have anything to lose, right? Like the people who are mad at Lord Jamar, what are they going to do? Like, right. oh, Lord Jamar is going to lose that sponsorship with Pepsi, you right. know? It's that, not, that's, that's not, not, that's not what's he's going down. He's going to lose
0: his role on HBO. That's right. not happening. Right? It's not going to happen, right. you know.
2: So I do agree with you. There's something to be said for the fact that he's so unvarnished and so willing, but it doesn't make what he says any more absurd and ridiculous. As, you in know? light of
0: everything, that- right? That that's going on right now in light of this age that we live in, this Uber PC age, man.
2: Well, I see part of it I think is PC, but I also think part of it is a matter of I do think that especially with men, we kind of got to do the math on, for lack of a better
0: term, how good we have it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I do Which is crazy because there's so many there's levels to this shit. There are levels. There's so levels. As a black man you think about the bullshit that we gotta go through, you just share the shit that you gotta go right. through but then you're still a man
2: yeah i never but i never feel unsafe walking around anywhere right Right, like i was talking about and you may have heard on the podcast that we did this week where i was talking talking about about
0: the the whole harassment yeah what is harassment right and i don't and you did a brilliant job covering it well
2: i appreciate it because the line on what harassment is is tricky but the one thing we have to remember like i say a bad neighborhood is only bad to you if you don't feel like you can fight your way out right right but if you're a woman basically every neighborhood is a bad neighborhood because you're not fighting your way out of all these things. And so I said, stop and thought about what it's got to be like every step, every corner you turn and somebody saying something crazy and somebody wanted to talk to you. And then if you don't want to
0: fine, then the ugly
2: bitch, yeah, you know, the and, then, and then it goes from there. I but, fuck your sister. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> but that's best case, but that's best case scenario. Right, Cause right. it can't be like, it can go from fine. Then the ugly bitch to, Oh, for real. And now this dude's going to follow you and yep. now whatever it's going to be. And so I do think that, me, not so much that men need to be PC as much as I do think there's some time to listen and kind of figure out that there are a lot of things that we have not done the math on. I've heard you talk about seeing how these things affect your wife. Yes. Right? And you probably wouldn't have thought about or considered No, No, no.
0: I'm, I'm a fucking male chauvinist pick, basically, <laughs> at, at at my core. Right. You know what I'm saying? But having been married, we just we just hit our 18th anniversary. My, and my wife is fine as fuck. That's a patient no, woman. No, no. Hey, Yeah. <laughs> let me think about it yeah yeah but but like over the years you know what I'm saying like mm. hearing her talk right and like just you know the other day I was in traffic with her and we were having an argument in the whole nine and then I let her off at her job as she was getting out this brother behind me this brother in the car behind me started hollering at her so Instantly, like I just saw Red got out my car, right? Rushed to his car, and I was like, "Yo, Reg, what the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. So I had to, but had to, but I was like, "Yo, man, she just came out of my car, dude." Yeah.
2: Have some respect. Right. And part of that, part of that though, is not just him disrespected her. Like at least.
0: But, not, but he wasn't even paying attention.
2: Right, but man. still, entertain the possibility I yes.
0: might be crazy. Right, right, right.
2: right give, give, entertain the possibility that I might not, because look, I grew up in Texas. Don't tell who, I, you always mm. we have to entertain the fight. We all got guns in Texas. We all got I don't hog my horn in traffic. If you don't put my barbecue sauce in the bag at Wendy's, it's not You'll that big a gun. deal. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You know, at least show me the respect of thinking I might be out of my mind. Right.
0: Now, I, on your show, when you were covering the issue, you said that that video Blew your mind because it gave you a different perspective of what ha- harassment could possibly be in different regions. Yeah. Like in Miami, completely different from New York. Right.
2: Like I said, so I went to college in Atlanta. Yes. So I'm from Houston. There ain't a lot of people walking around in right. Houston. It's just not the dynamic of it. So I go to college in Atlanta and it's more that, and it was wild to me because, like, I remember when we first got there, the girls from New York would be there, just people from New York. And look, I'm Southern. I'm country. Like, we talked to people when we see them. And the reaction from New Yorkers would be so, especially from women would be so like, why are you looking at me? Why are you talking to me? And that was a mind blower to us because that's just what we do. You talk to strangers, you have conversations you don't necessarily feel like having, you talk to the girl at the register, whatever it was. And then it just they would just say, like, look, you know, where we're from, there's no reason if somebody's talking to you, then it means dot, dot, dot or whatever it is. And that like, sort of thing had never dawned on me and I never considered it. So, like, now I look back at that, like, defensiveness that people would have from these places where you walk around a lot about just people talking to them out of nowhere. It was like, oh, like a whole lot of things suddenly made sense. Then I realized the stupid stuff that people said to the girls walking past in college. I didn't realize they're like grownups. Did
0: this stuff. You thought it was just, it got right, cut off, right? Like I, at the high school level, I at the that, college right. level. I chalked
2: that up to just stupid stuff dudes did, and I laughed it off. It was like, ah, ha, ha, it's just a ridiculous thing. like And girls will tell the stories about, I still laugh at this to this day. This girl told a story about walking. No, my boy told me this. He saw this girl walk past this dude, and he tried to holler at her, and she kept on walking, and he looked at her and said, and I quote, That's I did. you probably got that die slow anyway. Oh. <laughs> I'd never heard
0: that die slow. Die slow. Yeah. I'd never and heard that. that's a it. vicious thing to say. That's, a,
2: that's an absurd thing to say. But I thought it, to this day, like the dark sense of humor finds it hilarious that somebody would say such a thing. I didn't do the math on what's it like if somebody telling you, you got to die slow every time you walk outside.
0: Or even if you just want to be fucking left alone. Like you, right. I've heard so many women say, before I go out, I got to get my headphones just so that I don't hear these motherfuckers or right. these motherfuckers think I don't hear them, so they won't fucking holler right. at me. Right. And and I and and you hit it on on your on on the recent episode of uh, of the Evening Jones where you were like, "Men, I understand. Like, you want to holler. I'm not trying to fuck with your pimp game. If you if you think this is your pimp game, if you think you could holler at a chick in the street, I'm not here to shoot that down. But where's the empathy? Where yeah. where are you not understanding that you might be the 900th cat? That's hollering at her today.
2: And they ain't really trying to holler to right, right, yeah. Let's be clear. They are like, let's just see if this works. right? right? Mm. Like,
0: but are they really trying to see if that shit works? Because I used to be a smooth cat. Mm-hmm. And I would never do that shit. I'd find the right opportunity, the I right agree. situation, the right environment. If we were at a club, if we were mm. at a house mm. party, then I'll try to holler. But if you're in the street trying to take care of your business... That's not the place to try to hide.
2: Right, I don't like that's the thing I want. I don't know how that works. I don't, and that's why I, I don't say, think it works. That's what I say. I don't think the, a lot of these cats are talking about. Well, why can't I tell a woman hello? We're not really talking about right. you, right? right. We're right. talking We're about, about the collective, right? And those hellos dudes, and those dudes are not really trying because right. they're not savages. They're not getting anywhere on it. Like I, I don't know if I told this story on the podcast, but when I was in high school, I'll never forget this for the life. of me. this dude, it was a crazy situation. This girl, I wound up dating her like later in high school. She's right. like the nicest, sweetest girl you could imagine, mm-hmm. right? And this dude was sitting at the table with me in the cafeteria who may or may not have been selling dope, right? Mm -hmm. He was like, I went to school in the country. He was like from Houston for real. So he was wired differently. Houston proper. Right, exactly. So he calls a girl over. She comes to the table and is like, me, two other dudes, and this cat. And he starts talking to her. And he's like, what's your name? And she whispers her name to her. He's like, what grade are you in? She's like, I'm in ninth grade. He's an 18-year-old junior, as I recall, right? And he says, okay, you got a sister that goes here, too? She's like, yeah. And then he goes, oh, okay. And he stops and he goes abruptly, you know what? Fuck the bullshit. Fuck the bullshit. What's up on some pussy? Uh-huh. Now I'm 15. G- gorilla. Pit. Gorilla. So I'm, now I'm
0: 15. Brooklyn King shit. Right. Brooklyn shit. That ain't Brooklyn, B. Back <laughs> that, that, in the day, Brooklyn yeah, shit. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's zoo shit right
2: there. I tell you this, I was 15. That was the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> right. I fell out of my chair. I ran across the room. Like I laughed about it for 24 hours right, straight because right, right, right. I was 15 years old, right? And I remember months later, I talked to him. I got we were working together. We were busting tables at Fuddruckers because mm. I got him a job there. And I was talking to him, and I was like, "Dude, man, what was up with that?" Right? Because that was so far from my sensibilities. Like my mother's a business school dean, yes. you know. Like so, like I, I'm from a like a different you universe. on so like, how clock. to view women and all that Remember stuff. That. My sister went to Spelman and brought all that stuff back home, you know. And I, he told me he said, "Look, man." Because, you know, he was far more advanced in the world than I was. Like I say, I was a 15-year-old junior. He was an 18-year-old junior. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and says, hey, man, say what you want. That works. And I'd seen girls that he'd shown up with, and they were bad. Bad shit. Like, I don't know who all that worked with, but he was looking for somebody. That that worked with that. Right. He was looking for somebody that you could say, fuck the bullshit. What's up with some pussy? And then that turned immediately into where it was. That was what he was looking for. Right. And so I looked at him in a way, almost like, wow, that's ridiculous. That's disrespectful. That's all of these things. And in a way, as long as you're not acting like somebody's doing something wrong by walking away from you. If that's the dice you want to roll. That's that's your game. And that was the one thing I gave him. When that girl walked away from him, he didn't act like she did anything wrong. He was like, that's not who I'm looking for. So there are some cats who like Mm, approach it, who who approach in that disrespectful way. And that's what they're looking for. But like in that video with the woman walking through the streets, man, that's just a whole lot of dudes just saying something to her because they could. They could. And that's where we wind up with the problem. And you're like, well, I want to tell her hello. Well, playboy, you might want to just let this one ride. See,
0: the only thing I really don't understand about these brothers is like, these women are telling you. They're like, we don't like it. That's the entitlement. We don't like it.
2: That's the entitlement. And they're
0: like, yeah, but you, you should, you should. And to me, that's the same shit with racism. That's that's what I'm saying. mm.
2: They're the white people who show up at your Halloween party in blackface, talking about, I just wanted to do the costume. You're like, well, that's offensive. Well, I don't see why you're offended. Come on, you should lighten up. Exactly. That's what we're doing. Except we're doing it in a different way because we're doing it with people who are physically inferior. Right? Who have a legitimate reason to be fearful of the fact that you might put your hands on them. Like, Mm. I don't think people appreciate the vulnerable situation that women are in on a day to day basis. And I didn't get that until very recently because I didn't realize how fucked up like, dudes
0: were, generally speaking. <laughs> you didn't know that? Until recently. I didn't get it. What 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 changed your mind? What, what changed your perspective? Dude, social media gives you access yeah, to,
2: like what to I, a lot of things. Yeah, well, what I realized about social media, at least for me, was, so, like I said, my parents are professors, right? So, like, that's the house that I grew up around and the friends that they would have come over are people kind of from their world. And then when we moved to Texas, my parents taught at Prairie View when I was growing up and I went to school out there. So even then, I'm still around, like, that's like the the educated circles are kind of where i'm around and then i go to college and then, by definition, that's kind of the same people. And I go to graduate school, and then I live in North Carolina for ten See, in years this, in,
0: in this intellectual bubble. Right, but I didn't realize it because it's what I had always that was your been in, right.
2: like you know. And I'd been around different types of people, so it wasn't like I'd never met anybody from any sort of place. But it had still always been kind of contained within those worlds. Then, man, yo, you start doing sports television—that's access to the general population. Mm-hmm. Like I'm now Gen around pop, people. Officials. Yeah, I'm around people, savages and around. animals and They're killers such and such savages. Yeah. And I just—I did, didn't know just how much also people just hated women like I, I
0: I I can't even understand that that I can't understand like I I can't I can't wrap my mind I can't like I could understand different perspectives I can't understand the mind of somebody that really hates women.
2: I can't get it. Well, Because right. like, I understand how to a degree how you could have these race issues that often come up because people don't interact with each other. So if you're white and you don't know a black person. So for example, West Virginia, I saw some study that to do a proxy for racism, they do Google searches. And they said that whoever, what state had the most Google searches per capita of like racist hate terms would be deemed the most racist. And so West mm-hmm. Virginia was number one. Right. Well, West Virginia doesn't have any black people. Mm-hmm. right? So you can kind of invent or concoct whatever go
0: with the narrative
2: right that you want to have but you know when people actually interact the argument goes that when you have this interaction that all of a sudden these stereotypes that you had kind of vanish well how can that be there's nobody that grew up without like knowing any women and like dudes i feel like channel their insecurities about whatever it is like if a woman hollers at if you holler at a woman and she hollers back something must be wrong with her in these dudes eyes because they feel they so messed up and then they project that onto the woman right? right the mike jones Sort of situation. Yeah. Back then, y'all didn't want me. Now, now you want
1: well, me. Eh, that's
2: just kind of how it works. Um, it's nothing against <laughs> you personally. Um, you used to not have money. Now you now have you money. Do. You and
0: got gold, got better grills. Yeah,
2: that'll buy you some time, yes, right? Because yes. that's all the money really going to uh-huh. do is buy you some time.
1: Uh-huh. You know? I'll I tell you this. One of the most terrifying things for me this year, my daughter started high school, mm-hmm. uh, ninth grade. And the first day, I went and picked her up. And uh, I says, hey, how was your day? She said, there, there were a couple of guys yelling at me and, 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 and just like, yo, oh, mom, Ma, come here. I can't even like following me. And imagine she, like, when that like, day. And, I'm, and, and, and right away the thought was like, man, I want to go to the school the next day and, and knock one of these guys up the head. Hold them like a beach chair. <laughs> yeah, <Hey. laughs> something like that. <laughs> 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 nah, but for for me, I was like, man, I was like, listen, you know, uh, you got to be just aware of yourself and don't be disrespectful, but uh, don't entertain any, you know, thing that you don't feel is comfortable but to know that my daughter was just like as, as like a piece of meat. She was like, yeah. Yo, they were screaming at her, Yo, Mario, yo, come here, let me, why are you covering your, your, your ass with your with your shirt, you know? Yeah. I was like, Wow, this is crazy.
2: And it's gonna be it's hard to regulate teenage boys. Like I've said this about issues with um sexuality right it's real hard because teenage boys from like 14 to like 21 22 you're on fire right now and your whole goal is to show what a man you are right and part of showing don't even know
0: what the fuck exactly
2: but the only thing you know about men is that men have sex with women, yep. right? That's the only thing that guys know. That's why guys are always lying about girls. They want us to, God, oh man, I'll, I'll give because that's like a sign of virility, mm-hmm. right? That's what that is. So when you get at that age with teenage boys and every, they don't know what they're doing, and got no game, and everybody's just, That that's how that goes, and it's like, how do you regulate it? Like, you got to have men have to have real hard talks with their teenage sons about what is or isn't. Because once Mm -hmm. they get into that pack, now everybody's trying to impress each other. And that was in that street harassment video too. Is when you get a group of dudes together, bad things happen. With a bunch of dudes get together,
0: man. man. Nah, nah, it's crazy, man. Because you know, uh, I could handle myself. I remember I was down with my wife at the VMAs in Miami, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was oh oh five oh six. And it was mob, mobs of brothers, and I remember we we got caught up in this one mob. Mm-hmm. It was like twenty cats, and they was just grabbing my wife's wrist. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and it was what? nothing I could fucking do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like
2: dozens of them, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: it's like, yo, I will get my jaw twisted the fuck back.
2: Right, right. The name of principal, like, there's no need for us to go to the hospital. Yeah. The name of principal, all that's crazy. Like, another thing that I think you wind up looking back on, like, I remember the first time I had like a bad girlfriend, yeah. right? Like, we all remember the first time we had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know how the hell I did this, yeah, yeah. and so and, and,
0: and worried how are we gonna keep her. Right, exactly. <laughs> so like, I
2: was I was 18, she was 21. So you uh-huh. know, I'm feeling like I'm on top of the uh, world, right? Yeah, how
0: did you bag that, man?
2: Dude, I don't know. Yeah, I have. I I don't, I, here's how that thing happened. I don't think she knew I was 18, <laughs> uh, right? Like it, it was it was a whole range of things, but we were out because she lived in Huntsville, Alabama. And I driven over there, and we go to the movies, and I'm walking with her. And that was the first time that I just remember dudes like eyeing my girl up and down while she's on my arm, right? right? And there was nothing I could do. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm playing an away game, and y'all see me, man. Like, I got the reach, yeah. but I'm not – you know, if this gets into a, ra- a wrestling match – I got nothing for you dog like I can I can I can't win this fight. Right. I know I can't win this fight and they looking me up and down and I look back on it. I'm feeling disrespected, mm-hmm. right? And let's be clear. I was being disrespected. Right. Right, right, right. But the reality was if they look at her like that with me standing right Imagine. here. Imagine. What was it like right. for her every day? But on the flip side of that with her, I'll never forget. She used to wear like not so much when she was with me, but when she wasn't with me, like some of the most scandalous shit in the world. Because her mom's like that was like the, the setup her mom's had her on. Like I right. remember one time I came to pick her up from the house, and I remember her mom's was in the yard doing yard work in some
0: Daisy Dukes with some
1: fishnets mm, on a mm. Saturday afternoon. Hey ma, fish net to do now
0: that's a whole different to do the yard. That's a problem.
2: It is a problem. That's a problem. But that's what I say. But her mom was basically like, yo, this this dressing right here. This is how you get their attention. Right. And, and that's not to absolve dudes of responsibility for how they behave. But it was crazy to me to see how her mom was playing into that on the idea that this is how men are. Because there are a lot of women that capitulate to a lot of the stuff that we do under the idea that this is just how men are. Right. And we can be a little better. I think that's fair to say mm-hmm. that we could be a little Most better. Definitely. We just don't realize it until like typically have kids or something like that. And then the empathy kicks in.
0: Of course. Of you course. Know? I also like the way you analyze and I don't want to stay on this that much longer. How you analyze like even though that video footage might have been doctored, might have been edited, you know, so that it just shows black guys, or people of color hollering at her and not the white guys. It doesn't change the message
2: no 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 it doesn't but like i said i thought that was a separate point right. they definitely edited the white dudes out there was clearly an agenda at play they didn't just pick some random woman to walk through like the woman of the body type that she has
0: yeah. she, had, she had that body yeah type, though.
2: yeah she had a body type she, she's right though she yeah. was right they, they, like if you were to, if, if somebody was <laughs> yeah. looking at that video did you, did
1: you like her pete i loved her yeah like i said <laughs> if they had a bunch <laughs> of, what, what would you do pete if, if you uh yeah. you mean a howling at her or, yeah, no, or no, whatever no, I'm, what I'm saying I if, you, if, you, if you had her I'll beat the brakes off. That. There you go. But I, I mean, I mean, listen. Let me know. I'm I'm talking about the snatch. I'm not talking about anything else. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: That's a very important specification. Yeah, thank Glad you. you classed it up. You know, but it was. This is, but that was the thing. I looked at that. I was like, wait a minute. So you just randomly picked this woman and then coincidentally the right body type, right, for, for that environment, exactly. And then you coincidentally just have nothing but black and brown people right, right, right. saying these, which things.
0: which is fucked up. But yeah, it but it still, didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. Right.
2: Like you're right. That is something that we can discuss, and we can discuss it at another time. It is not your escape, but the thing i've learned in doing this and this has been helpful for me in gender stuff is if a white person said the same thing to me how would i go for it if it was a black issue and they took that door out to try to find a way to get out of this i wouldn't have it and you got to hold yourself to that same standard and i feel like that if men started holding themselves to the same standard they hold white people to and appreciating that they're basically on the same part, like in the discussions we were having on the pri- privilege ladder. You're in the same place. I do think a lot of cats will check themselves. I also think, though, a lot of cats, the uh, brothers in particular, feel like, man, white man treat me so bad. I, You know, why, oh, why ain't nobody talking more about the way the white man is treating you? Man, black women is holding you down a whole lot more than you holding them exactly, down. Man. Like, you got to be real about that fact. These cats talk about black women don't support them. Maybe it's you because I ain't never had that it, problem. Yeah, I don't myself have personally. no issues
0: with me. And, and it's funny because we, we're both in the same world on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I don't even understand what is this hatred I mean, yeah, I see some of these feminists saying some off-the-wall shit, and I get where they're coming from. But that shit don't affect me. mm
2: And you understand why they would. Like, that's the part that, like, we all got super-duper black militant. Why are the black olives in cans and the green olives in jars types? We know them, (laughs) right? And we understand how they wound up. I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. Why are the black olives in cans, you know? But we know how they wound up that way. I guess I grew up around a lot of those cats, Mm -hmm. right? Show up at the house with the dashiki Mm on and start telling you how Steve Young can't play quarterback. Mm -hmm. And then just start (laughs) rounding off all this stuff, you know? Like, we know those cats, but we know how they got to be that way and with feminists in a lot of way it goes there but I do feel like a lot of these men feel emasculated by the world in general and then they feel as though women are emasculating them and that's a line that they're not willing to that that's where their tolerance for these things cuts off so then now you feel like a man because of how you're dealing with women which seems to be kind of counter to the entire definition of the whole concept right yeah but I do think a lot of people that's not to make these dudes feel any better about it but I do think that kill Mike. I saw him do say mm. something about this, about his evolving views on women and how it changed when he had daughters. He said he had to realize a lot of the horrible things he felt about women were really about horrible things that he felt about himself mm. and that he felt down on himself. Therefore, a woman that could feel good about him must also have something, something wrong, wrong with, with her. her it was almost like... And I, I don't know if he said this, but it seems that like the mentality of it is, if a woman's quality, why in the world would she talk Fucking to me? Yeah. So then, by definition, any woman that hollers at you ain't shit is a problem. Right, 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 right. You know, you ain't gonna win that way. Like yeah. you'll never be happy yeah. that way.
0: Definitely. Let's get serious now. Let's get oh, real now we'll get serious. Let's get real serious. <laughs> you're living in Miami. You're traveling to New York. You've been all over the place. Where's the best women, man? Best looking women, <laughs> in your opinion.
2: I'm still going with Atlanta, man. Atlanta. Mm. I'm still going with Atlanta. Mm. Like, my trinity in the United States of good looking women, really, just because of like, I'm a Southern dude, right? Atlanta, D.C.'s up there too, but Atlanta, mm. Houston, D.C. have been up there. Miami's in that same place. L.A. is its own thing. New York is very underrated. Mm. Very, very, very you underrated. You think so? Mm-hmm. The reason New York's underrated, New York attracts. Good look, like good looking women moved to New York to try to do things, right? right? You want to be a model, come to New York. There's a whole lot of people out here that are now working regular jobs because mm-hmm. the model thing didn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. L.A. is the same way. Miami is the same way, and Atlanta has become that. You know, it attracts good looking women. Miami's up there, though. See, well, Miami. You
0: got to watch out though in Miami because there's some bad pieces out there, and you might get a handful. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I, know, that, I, hear, yeah. That's, I heard that's running rampant. Yeah,
1: my tree trunk, huh? What do you mean a handful? Like, hey, hey, and hey, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about, okay, okay. Like, at, say,
0: at, at Like, why well, are you guys grab a
2: handful. I guess that happened in Atlanta, too, <laughs> yeah. in this day and age. That's going on in uh, Atlanta, too. Yeah, but it, see, Miami's interesting for me because, like, if I'm going to get somewhere with a woman, I got to talk, right? right? Like, I am a, a conversationalist. Yes. That, that is the appeal of me is the conversation to be had. And Miami is just not a place where people go to find conversation. They, they
0: don't conversate out there? Not really. So really? basically, you could just say, what's
2: up with the pussy? Uh, you might want to be more like, "What restaurant can I take you to?" <laughs>
0: and that's it. Yeah, ben, what, ben, what, what, ben,
2: classy dude. I mean, but it's that, it's that kind of. It's people come to Miami to spend money. That's right. the difference. Like I said about L.A., people go L.A. to make money. People come to Miami to. Spend Money. Do you
0: like that environment? Um, being the person that you are yeah. and, and dating, and you being a single yeah. guy. Yeah,
2: I mean, I could do. It, it, it ain't the best for me, right? right? Like I can observe it and I can watch it and see what's going on with people. And but, you can be amused by it. Yeah, yeah. But if you're looking for a transaction, that ain't going so far with yeah. me. Yeah. Like if it's really like that at this point, I got enough money to put people on planes. If that's what it's got to be, like I. Get, oh, so you
0: flying them in, man?
1: I know. I said if that's <laughs> what it's got to <laughs> be. You cupcaking my hot <laughs> If That's what it's got to <laughs> be. If that's what it's. Gotta yeah. be. That's what it's Beaumont, gotta Beaumont, be. listen. Bomani's on TV now, so you know what that means. That his pussy level has gone up. As, is that the truth, ah, Or Are you still like the,
0: the quality quality pussy you always like?
2: Well, I, I, that's what I was about to say. I do think here's the thing that people mix up about what TV does to you for meeting women. Right? No matter who you are, there are women for whatever reason who will fuck with you. Right? Mm. No matter who you happen to be, because women like like my boy said, he never do anything because women like it because you know what women like anything. Like it's totally random what it might be. They decide they like you and come up with reasons after the fact to like justify that, right? Right, right? So it could be anything. So you get on television and then more people see you. So more people who probably would have liked you anyway now see you. Now there's some cats that's gonna get some run that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise because they're on television and now that gives them a level of like stature. But dude, I'm on ESPN. You know, I was mm-hmm. watching ESPN, y'all stanking asses. Like a bunch of stanking ass dudes. <laughs> like most of the women I meet who recognize me off television is the I watch this with my boyfriend. Friend sort of situation right so it's possible that television has changed things but it wasn't so bad before you know like i was doing all right before you that always came go, around good with
0: the gift of gab man
2: yeah and hey man look i'm 30 something years old with a couple of degrees yeah. you know <laughs>
0: but, but money let's speak about that man before we go to our break man you, you're a celebrity now people you are, you are a celebrity
2: people say that but i'm not really
0: but you're on television i'm recognized regularly nationally can, on, on, on a big network you can make the argument right do you ever feel like the need to get security or anything like that
2: no um it ain't that close the people who would want to run up on me um are people who won't run up on me mm, what now do you mean by that, well if i was talking this kind of stuff about say rappers for example right a rapper might <laughs> run up on you yes.
1: mace is gonna run up on you
2: yeah guys. those those things happen right? Right, right rappers run up on people athletes don't so much run up on people like that's not what it is, and I'm not gonna lie. I've had to learn. I gotta. I'm, I'm getting better at this. It kind of wavers back and forth. It's real difficult to regulate yourself when you're talking about people that you, in most cases, don't encounter, and right. it's real easy
0: to get real comfortable comfortable talking
2: in those situations. Right, right. So I have to be like, like I really try to regulate myself, like sometimes, look, you're going to say things about people that they don't want to hear, right. right? Like, that's just kind of what it is, kind of the nature of the job. So it can't be, oh, I wouldn't want somebody to say that to me. Now, people say stuff about me that I wouldn't want them to say all the time. That's right. not the standard, right? The standard is what I want to run up on this dude over that.
0: Have you been close to a situation where you felt like, fuck, uh, I remember I said that shit. Ah. Here I am right now, and this motherfucker's mean mugging me.
2: Yeah, there, 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 there's, there's been a couple times I've kind of looked over somewhere and been like, "Ooh, I wonder if that guy remembers that one thing."
0: They remember. They never it's forget. They remember. It's always,
2: it's always a matter if they saw it. Because right, right. you're right. They, <laughs> people have elephant memories, especially in sports. Man, mm-hmm. they have elephant memories about that stuff. It's the music guys. They get real sensitive, though, yeah, man. man. The music guys. Are and, always and I've ready.
0: had to learn, man. I've had to learn on this platform, like most you know, definitely being honest and and, and cats don't hear us because I thought we were in our bubble and I'd say something yes. and the shit would go viral. I'm like,
2: fuck. That's what that was the biggest fuck. change. The biggest change for me was the realization that people were actually listening. Right. Right. Like I didn't you know doing these things you do them and I and I still don't think I say anything about anybody that isn't fair. Right. But that's the thing that steps up is the day you realize that people are actually listening to the shit that you're doing Now it might be time. People get their feelings hurt sometimes. Like Chappelle talking about the Wayne Brady thing came about because Wayne Brady loved the show and then he saw Paul Mooney say what he said about him and then it hurts his feelings. Like it's on one hand the most humbling part of it and it makes you feel good. But then it's like, oh man, now I got to start thinking about people's feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I get to like people I tell a whole bunch of jokes about like Mm -hmm. follow me on Twitter now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Stringer Bell follows me on Twitter now, which is really interesting (laughs) considering I've had this vendetta against him for the better part of the last 10 years. He follows me on Twitter. What's your
0: problem with Idris? Idris.
2: I have a difficulty separating the wire from, like, real life. Okay. And I feel... So you Sh- didn't like Stringer. I feel Stringer Bell's represent- representation everything I despise in this world. Okay. Like, a level of fraudulence and just... See, I, like, I, it shouldn't be like that. But Brilliant. then I looked up and he was following me one it's, day. It's just a show, though, man. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. That makes perfect sense, right? And, like, women would be like, oh, you just don't like Idris because he's fine. No, I don't really <laughs> care about that. Like, I'm really just too deep into was, this he television he just show. Gri- he
0: was just grimy. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. He was grimy. Yeah. He was, he was real grimy. <laughs> yo,
0: listen, let's go to a break, man. Internet, so you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. We got Bomani Jones in the building, F your podcast, F your TV show, and if your radio show, except for your podcast.
1: Thank you. Oh, yes, man. sir. Yeah. Cheer.
0: Yo, 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 you know what it is, man. It's your boy Young right here chilling with the homie, man, Combat Jack. Y'all know what it is, man. Internets turn up. Y'all know what we do. Let's get it. Check in. Let's go. Internets, you tuned into the Combat Jack Show, the Combat Jack Show.com. Yes. We're sitting with our guest, Bomani Jones. Yes, sir. Bomani, man, what brings you to New York in November, man?
2: All right, so on November the 5th, there is a premiere for a 30 for 30 um, entitled Rand University. And we're taking a look at a brief snippet in the life of Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. And I am an executive producer on that project. Oh. So we're up here and go check out the premiere tomorrow. Well, I guess tomorrow as we record it, I'm going to do a little question and answer and all of that stuff. So that should be interesting.
0: Okay. Now, how'd you get involved with this?
2: So there's a couple things that happened.
0: Congratulations, by the way.
2: I appreciate it. Um, This is during the NBA finals. I was talking to my agent and he wanted me to meet with um, a guy named Connor at ESPN, who's over the 30 for 30s. And I've been supposed to meet Connor for the longest. And so my agent tells me before I meet him, he says, look, um, they're working on a 30 for 30 with Randy Moss. And I light up. And the reason I lit up was in 2008, late 07, beginning 08, I was trying to move up to New York, actually, because um, I was engaged to a woman who lived here and I needed to be able to move here, but I also needed to be able to eat if I did move here. Right. So my strategy was I'm going to write a book proposal and I'm going to sell this proposal and I'm going to get the advance and then that's going to get everything going. And that book proposal that I was working on was going to be a look at the evolution of the modern wide receiver, mm. and kind of focused around Randy Moss. So I asked about what the time frame on the documentary was going to be, and they said from when he was in high school until the 1998 NFL draft. That was the time period that I had written the sample book chapter That's on. Crazy. Right. So I like I literally this has been a fascination of mine for years and right. I'd worked on it and I had the project and I kept the project. I didn't try, I didn't eventually try to sell it. I broke up with the woman, so that didn't go through, but I always had it. And I always kept all the research. Like I had all the things that I needed. And it just so happened that they were working on that project and they asked me to come on board as a producer to kind of help guide the project. And you
0: had all this material.
2: I had all the stuff. Right. Like I had all of it. So when uh, I talked to the director, Marquise Daisy, I was like, well, look, here's what I've written about it. And so I could send him these 30 pages and he could look at it. And then when they started sending me clips and stuff that we're looking at, I already had the frame of reference of all the material like I'd done the research I knew the story I knew the stuff that wasn't there so I could ask the questions why aren't we mentioning this part how are we going to bring this in what do you think about this so it just happened to be a really great bounce and the dude who's directed the film did a fantastic job on it like he did the real work to be honest isn't
0: it amazing man like when you really put your heart and soul into something and you create something and it doesn't necessarily work the way you thought it was going to work that that product that you created it doesn't go to waste
2: right the, the work that you do on stuff like that has always got to be about the process and it's always got to be kind of for you right mm-hmm. because once you do it it's out of your hands and maybe somebody gets on it maybe they don't who knows but if what you did is something that you legitimately think is a work of quality then you might as well keep it like that chapter still needs work like it wasn't ready to publish i was gonna have to do all the edits and all that stuff that you did over but time. it was there it, it was exists. there right and i put about a good couple of months where that was the thing that I did. Like right. that was the like I remember going to Office Depot and buying a binder and buying dividers, like all the stuff. Like I was back in high school mm. because that was the project. And I had this ridiculous binder full of Lexis Nexus printouts where I took somebody's Lexus Nexus Lexis, password Lexis. and printed out all shit this. Still stuff. Around? Oh yeah, still going. I wish I had a password now. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know, because you know the game. It was all like who's got a password? Yep. You got a password? Yep. All right, yep. cool. Yep, yep, Everybody's yep. working off the same password. Yep. So I may or may not have used the password of an employer. Who Who had fired me, but didn't change the password allegedly? Allegedly, allegedly, right? And I went ahead and I printed all that stuff out, so I had it all. So I was literally ready to jump in. So during the finals, I talked to Connor. He told me that was the time frame they were working on. They asked me to come on and to work on it, and I I, had—I would argue that I've had a part in this. I think Marquise did most of the real work. He did the going down to West Virginia and shooting all of that stuff. But I was able from there to say, okay, well. I think we need to bring this idea in. I think we need to make the draft feel like make that resonate a little bit more. How do we go about doing those sorts of things? Because I don't know how to make a documentary, right, right. you know. Of course, but now learning how to make now a documentary, learning, yeah,
0: you know. And yeah, executive producer.
2: Hey, man, it sounds great. If nothing else,
0: you know, listen, Bomani, it's amazing, man. Because I've watched your journey. We've all watched your journey, man. And, and you're definitely very inspiring, inspirational. I appreciate us, it. Were there points during this journey where you like I might could not make it? I need to get a job.
2: The time that I thought I was going to have to get a job really was after that ESPN contract wasn't renewed in 2007. Mm -hmm. And the reason was I had a job as a national columnist at ESPN.com working for Page 2. But I'd skipped all the intermediate steps that most people had. I never covered a beat. I never did any of that kind of work, which was to say I didn't think anybody else, if I couldn't make it work at that job this one time, I didn't think anybody else was going to give me a job writing again. And I thought that I was going to be a columnist really for the rest of my life. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. And then I wound up getting into radio. Like, while I was working on the proposal and all that stuff, I got into radio. And radio, that's when I found, like, okay, this is this is a thing that I should be doing. And that kind and of I used to love your show. man. I used to I, call into the show. I pre- I, yeah. I remember I loved it. Man. Like that was like and this was I was doing local because like, I was right. doing local on Saturday mornings. Right. They were paying me one hundred dollars a Saturday mm. to come up. And right. it was me. I was twenty seven at the time. My producer was a black dude who was twenty six. And Saturday morning, your bosses don't pay any attention to what you're doing. Right. right. So we were just up there doing the show we wanted to do. But I had come after working for ESPN. I was approaching this with like, this is the kind of standard that we got to have. Like, just because I'm not working for them doesn't mean that we can't put out that quality Quality of work. Right. right? And so we really pushed and we really made that better. And then I'd got a midday show and the midday show got going and then they fired me. And that was one where I was like, okay I feel like y'all have done me dirty. Like my ratings are great. And you've just the station got sold. The new place just decided they didn't want my voice Mm. on their radio station. And when that happened, I was like, what in the world is going to happen? And then I got, I got good pretty quick on that. But when the, the contract ended with the writing, I didn't know what in the world I was going to do at that point because I thought I'd made it when I got that job. Mm-hmm. And then that job was gone. And it was like, well, what in the world are we going to do? So the guy at the local radio station, I remember I told him I was real sad. I was like, look, man, you know, they, you know, they let me go, whatever it was. And his response to me was, so does this mean you can do radio now? <laughs> like he had completely discarded that he was like oh okay cool so you can do radio now yeah. all right cool and then he calls me and says look here's what we're going to do we're going to give you the saturday show and then the guy that does the afternoon drive doesn't work summers my plan is for you to host that show during the summer and then once that got going and at, at the end of that summer i didn't know what i was going to do because i needed a job right. like a real job, a real I, had job. Done, I had done an adjunct professorship to pay some bills but i needed a job and then they told me they were going to give me a job during the middays and like once that came together and first day was on my birthday, oddly enough. And then that went. was when, your birthday? August 26th. Okay. And you know, August 26, 2008 was when we first started doing that. But when that column went away, I had been winging it for so long anyway. I written about music and then that went away. And then I'd stumbled into sports. And then I was just like, well, what in the world am I going to, like, am I going to have to go get a job? Right, right. And right. then after the local radio thing ended, I made the decision that if I had to go get a job, I was going to get a job. I was going to find somewhere in Durham to sell cell phones. And I was going to be like, look.
0: That's what you're going to do,
2: man? If I had, look. Come buy your cell phone from Bomani Jones. There'd be, some, <laughs> there'd be some people who would have clowned and there would have been a whole lot of people who would have loved been, nothing yeah, yeah. more the best than to come get a cell phone. Bomani mobile. Me. That's right. Dude, they would have done it. And, and, and Boost Mobile. Yeah. And if that would have worked, then that was what it was. Like, yeah. yo, know, if you gotta pay, and then I could try to figure this stuff out on the side. But I didn't know how to get in to and where the places were going. And then the industry started to expand. And then these new media companies started getting more money. And they're the people that are always fucking me from the beginning with. <laughs> right. So then we started getting into that and then everything went OK. But after a certain point, man, I've been knocked down enough times along the way that it was like, OK, well, I'm going to be all right. Can be all right. Like no matter what happens, I'm going to be all right. I didn't think it was going to turn into what it has turned into. You never know. But I was going to be all right. You never know. You never know.
0: Yeah. Um, You've been talking a lot about music. Recently, man. Yeah, man. On your your show and on Twitter, man. What have you been listening to?
2: All right. I'm shocked. Like, the last three albums I've decided to explore are all great. Like, forget about just good. So, The Run the Jewels 2, which is the best record of the year what the run the jewels too is incredible like crazy production wise
0: they've lost their fucking minds my, my, uh, Kill P. Killer Mike, Kill and, Mike and, and, and LP, LP. Well, they th- lost their fucking minds well, this time think about this can you imagine if in 1998 somebody
2: would have told you yeah so uh, LP gonna start doing beats for this dude from Adamsville in Atlanta and they about to rip it you for, never would have been for, Company for, Flow first and, <laughs> for,
0: first and foremost I didn't fuck with Company Flow I didn't either because I was in the industry and I was like why are these white rappers so mad <laughs> like why y'all so mad mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. and, 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 and Killer Mike he was just that dude in, 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 you know, the whole outcast movement. I was like, okay, you got a little flow, but all right.
2: You know what he needed? And I think it's what I realized in listening to this. Killer Mike is so talented mm-hmm. that you just like, yo, we got to make this dude a solo act. And that it's not gonna work. Right. Like it's not that it's bad because like the rap music joint was good and the grind time tapes are straight. But he's a dude that needed somebody else to give you a break, and they could bounce back and forth. And the their chemistry is LP.
0: unreal. LP is super talented to the point that just him by himself, it's like this is you rapping too right, rapping mm-hmm. too crazy right now.
1: Right, oh, it's definitely. And the thing about Killing Mike too also is that like he's a chameleon, like he could adapt to any situation. Yes. Like, he's just really smart, talented, and, and a true chameleon. And he'll be born to rap. Like, so- there's
2: some people who are really good at rap, and right. there's some people who are born to rap. Like, KRS1 is born, born to rap. Yes. Killer Mike is in the KRS One family of rappers in the sense that you understand every single word he's saying. So you so give clear. Run
0: the Jewels two album of the year so far. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, but, so far. Okay.
2: I do it. I mean, I don't know the last time I had a record that every morning I've gotten up and mm. I've been like, okay, now we got to turn this on, and no, we're not turning it off. Right. You know. Okay. It, Forty-one minutes of bang. What else? the kid logic I heard, Logic. i heard people talk about him right and you know what is
0: the kid white or black man
2: i actually had that conversation with somebody today uh-huh. because i said that this white dude has put out the blackest white dude rap album of all time and Nick, i was told that he's Nick, biracial say on the they, record. they say he's biracial okay they say he's biracial he
0: got that little brain he look he look italian p you mm. seen him
2: forget about he it he looks Sicilian,
0: <laughs> man but but okay they i love rap that.
2: his ass off though no. um i the one thing i don't it's not his fault i don't want to say it's something i don't like about his record but he's got one of those records that you listen to and be like man i I wish you'd have been around for analog because it's a real digital sounding album. It sounds real sterile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that last J. Cole album that came out, I felt the same way. Where I was like, "Yo, this is good, but this is not a digital record. Like this is an analog record. It needs that warm feel of analog." And I felt kind of like that with Logic. He could rap his ass off. I was shocked. You
0: know what it is? I don't even think because a lot of people could rap their asses off right now. And 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 it's it's fucked up that in 2014, I'm not necessarily impressed if you could rap your ass off. He put some good songs. Exactly, in that's the key thing to me. Good super songs. rappers
2: get on my nerves. Yes, and he's not a super rapper. He's got
0: some good songs that got some good feeling and some good depth. And you're right, if it was definitely a little bit more. Lo-fi, you could definitely feel right.
2: Yeah. You know, because like the snares are clean and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like that's just that's just me being anal and old, right? Right, right. right. But I I listened to it today because the first time I tried to find that Logic record, I found some <laughs> other dude named Logic, and I really told people I was like, I don't think I, I got the same Logic like, record.
0: If this is the Logic you're talking about, <laughs> this ain't it. From and l- H- yeah,
2: exactly. From H- and little did I know, I actually did have the raw record. That's why you got to be careful. I was like,
1: this <laughs>
0: must
2: be the raw Logic, right, right, and it right. really was.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then what, what else, man?
2: So I caught the crit on NPR. Welcome to 2014, by the way, yes. where the big crit record is oh. available for stream on NPR. Yes. And it's like, okay, this is the crit album that we've been waiting for. Because you've been with me for a while. I've been on the crit wagon from the very beginning. You know, mm-hmm. he's working with my man, Wally Sparks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, i know, Shout out to Wally. You know, know him, know son, you know, kicked with him a few times. This is the record that we've been waiting on. Like, this is a big major. Like, it sounds like you had a major label budget. It sounds like what my understanding has been that he started recording in a different place. That there was a long run of doing the recording in the same place, which would explain a lot of the complaints that we have about live from the underground mm-hmm. at points feeling kind of stale and feeling like hadn't gone you somewhere new. I
0: had so much high expectations from live from the underground, right. And it it just felt hollow to me. Yeah, and 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 it was weird because. I really if I, if I would have put my money on somebody that I wanted that I really wanted to win it was crit right man.
2: That was how I felt, and I liked it. I thought it was a really good record. Right. I just didn't think it was as good. It didn't have the fire that, like, Crit was here had. It yeah. just had that kind oh, of emotion. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's talking king of in.
0: the south right, right. now?
2: Right, but let me tell you, though, all that, all the kind of fire and passion that I thought wasn't on live from the underground, like, I th- the thing I thought was missing from live from the underground was actually Crit. Right. Like, I thought the beats were good, and I thought it was pretty well ar and would and all of that stuff, but the dude and the, like the, the underlying qualities that were in the previous records, I didn't feel were on live from the underground. Oh, they're all on Catalactica, Ooh, yep, they yep, yep. are there, and so what I always thought he was doing was he had done a modern refinement of kind of that Gulf Coast paradigm of sound, right? But it didn't feel like a live from the underground that he expanded it. It's like he refined what he was doing, but he didn't take it to another place. The, the Catalactica, you hear the expansion, and it really puts into something about Mississippi that one of my boys told me he's from Jackson. He's like, The thing you got to remember about Mississippi is. We're in driving distance of all the major centers of Southern music. You know, we're right up the road from Memphis. You can get to Houston without much trouble. You can get to Atlanta without much trouble. So Mississippi, we just don't think of as a place for rap, but that really is kind of the midpoint of all these different Southern sounds. And so now I think on this Catalactica, you hear more of that, that you hear the Atlanta, you hear the Houston, you hear the Memphis, and it's all coming together into something unique. So now the paradigm has been expanded in advance rather than simply being refined, even though it's being refined in the course of this. Like this, I really think a lot of people who heard Live from the Underground were like, nah, I'm not really fucking with this cat. This is the one that'll make you turn around.
0: And I like that he opened himself up production-wise and and, and decided to work with other people and and learn from what they could bring to the table.
2: Well, it's funny. I, talk, I was talking to Wally about that a long time ago because I learned a lot, like, in watching what was going on with his career at a time with what was going on with my career, right? There were some parallels that were going on. It was like 2010 when his shit started jumping, my shit started jumping, right? And, you know, the things started going. And one thing I was learning at that time was the ability to collaborate and to let other people contribute to what I was doing. Like, you have to have... You have your own vision and everybody has a tendency to get territorial about Mm -hmm. their own vision. At some point, you look up and realize that your vision is always going to have some limitations. So you're going to want to hand things to people who know your vision and then can add something to it. So like when I used to produce YouTube videos, I would write my stuff out. I would do my shots and I would leave and I wouldn't see them until they came up because I wanted somebody else's voice in there because I can only think of what I can think of. So somebody else can think of something different. Now we can make this better, and it's more important to have a good product than it is to have your quote-unquote vision. And so I would wondered, I hadn't talked to these guys in a while about this stuff, but I'd wonder when that point was going to come where there was just an evolution and a realization as you get older, like there's nothing wrong with letting somebody Not help me make my shit better. Not at all. And I think that that's what happened. Not you know?
0: at all. I, I tweeted today, man, that you know we live in this, sick, this cynical age where we like to shit on music, but there's a lot of good music out there. There is. Right now. And, and 2014 has been a very strong year musically, man. Yeah, you know... It's got music for everybody.
2: Well, what I think is going to happen is once it just gets to a point where nobody can make money selling records, then the music's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to make the money selling records, and you're going to do what the label tells you no matter what. And the labels, the labels got a different agenda, Right. If it gets to the point where you're gonna make your money off your touring and your sales and everything else, then all you worry about is your it's, people yeah, yeah. like and this is something I know as somebody who works for a major corporation. The stuff that I handle myself is for my people From right my for people. the people for, who, it's
0: for you right
2: you know, and for the people who've been listening to podcasts, the people who bought t-shirts those are my people. Those are the people that I brought with me and then this is when this thing ends, those are the people that are going to go with me. Now, yes. There are going to be some other people that come up peripherally on the label stuff but you can't get fully invested in chasing money you don't have. I think it was Chuck D. He said this on Twitter many years ago. I thought it was really interesting. He said, if you've got a Facebook fan page and your fan page has 10 fans, then your fan page needs to be for those 10 fans, yep. chasing money that you don't have is corporate thinking. Chasing an right? audience you, you don't have. Is, you can't do that. You, you got to work with the audience that you got. Right. So I do think that if the money dries if the big money dries up, the money's always going to wind up being there and touring, right? If that big label money dries up, then it stands to reason that the market will go toward people focusing on what it is that they do. Like when Nipsey Hussle did that crazy $1,000 mixtape thing.
0: It was $100. dollars $100. $100. I was on board.
2: And the reason I was on board, I had a problem with it later because Did you buy it? Oh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not that guy. Okay, I'm not the Nipsey Hussle. You weren't fan. that
0: on board, right? right.
2: No, I was on board in principle. Okay, because I'm not in the audience that would buy the hundred dollar mixtape, right. right? Like I was bothered when he later said that they were throwaways because I felt like he was disrespecting his audience. Right. But what he was saying was, look, these are the people that are with me. There's a set of people that will pay a hundred dollars for this because they're going to be down, and I'll give them extra stuff or whatever it is. But this is for you know, this is dedicated for the ones that've been down since day one, right? Clang, right? You know, <laughs> you know. But that's but there's something for that. Like once you figure out like look this is the audience that i got cali boys did that all the time like in the 90s we forget that all those dudes in cali were going platinum trunk, without getting spins anywhere out the trunk, else out mm-hmm. the trunk, you know yeah. mc M- M- wren went platinum with an ep uh. people forget that you know <laughs> so you could make that money for- i'm from houston right cats are not worried about like chameleon Air and paul wall i knew those dudes in high school right they made that music for houston and when the houston time came up nationwide they never ever turned away from where their actual base was right. so if you're not worried about chasing that major label stuff then then the music goes back local and this music is always better when it's local yep. that's how new york lost its footing was we, stop we, trying to we, be local we're not, local. We're not lo- it has no there's no sound but, left but in th- new york but,
0: but to to new Yorker's credit and i've and i've spoken about this before the culture of New York has changed so drastically that we're still trying to figure out what the fuck is going right. on.
2: And that's an interesting part about how like how does how did these changing demographics of the city and moving people out of where they've been forever. New York. How has, does that ultimately I, I'm still the trying music?
0: to figure out what it means to be in New York in 2014, mm. man. What do you what do you think about Rich Gang, man? Yeah. It's crazy, right?
2: Yeah. Like I don't even have that like much of an opinion because I haven't gotten like real deep into right. it they're they're on the i'm more aware of them than right. i could really like speak on them you right, know right.
0: i had to listen because I, I had to figure out what the fuck was going on and who was it who was it that was on the show i forgot who it was i might have been crit it might have been somebody and they were like listen like if you if you're judging them from the level of rappers they're gonna fail but if you're judging them from taking sounds and making it music yeah uh, and I found that the production is crazy I just it's, it's just crazy man I, I, I'm still I'm still curious as to what the fuck is going on
2: yeah you know and that's the point we at that age now where we don't know exactly the music ain't for us no
0: more it ain't for us nobody
2: no like that I guess that's part of why I like run the jewels like no, oh right. my god somebody cares about what I think yeah, <laughs> I I'll
0: tell you man I'm a big Migos fan
2: you know what? I appreciate it for what they are. Like, yeah. I went to the Outkast shows, and I saw, uh, like, different at different points, some of the young Southern dudes was like the, uh, the I don't know how to say their name, the uh, the no-flag zone dudes. Um, S- yeah,
0: S- yeah, S- yeah. S- I like got, Ray, Ray Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Drummer's ear backwards. You're <laughs> ear eardrum. <drummers>. Dude, <laughs> yeah. they got on stage with B.O.B. B. at the Sunday night show, and I'm 34 years old, yeah. man. You know, that music ain't for me. Daw, they were so hype. It was so dope. They like, I was just up, looking at up, it, man. they turned up so strong. And they, I'm they like, turn. this is not for me, but, but I can appreciate yes. what it is right, that right, you right. little fellas are doing. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah, for yeah. you. And they're yeah. little fellas, Good too. Yeah, little. And,
1: and that's the dope thing about it. But I, I will say this, talking about artists, talking about rappers, what's your thoughts on, like, the NBA, you know, starting to hire rappers? Like, Drake is, is um, working with the Raptors. Huawei is working with the Wizards. I mean, is this something that you see that can trickle down to you know, different states?
2: But it's interesting though because black rappers have become so useless to the industry. Like on a pop, like in, in that in that mainstream world, we have been rendered obsolete. Like you know, I came up. I graduated from high school in nineteen ninety seven, so I can remember when we were actually like getting on to MTV with real stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like it wasn't like a necessarily compromised stuff. You know, gin and juice and all. You know. These things were really getting mainstream play, and that's so over now, right? Right. So it's crazy to me that the NBA teams are looking at it like, no, 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 we've got a certain value. After the NBA had run away from rap for the better part of the last 10 years, now a lot of them are like, hey, here it is. But what that also is, the rap game has changed in a way where Drake can be a mainstream dude, and you don't have to worry about offending people by having Drake out there. Like when people talk about, like, criticizing gangster rap in this day and age man you 20 years late homie that's not what's going on no, anymore not, not happening right now. that ain't that ain't what the game is right, right. it's nice cuddly approachable rappers by and large which is funny because the nba in the last 10 years has become much more about nice cuddly approachable players
0: right what do you think about jay-z's involvement right now in sports
2: You know, I'm still not sure exactly what his involvement is. Like, I know it's Rock Nation Sports and his name is on the sign, but I've not.
0: They've made a lot of noise, but. Yeah, I'm not. And
2: signed a lot of players. But I'm not terribly convinced that he's not uncle ben on the box like i'm not calling. What, what do you mean by that i mean that he's on the box but i don't know if he on, like if he's is he the one selling the rice mm. you know what i mean like kind of like
0: the whole brooklyn nets
2: thing exactly like i'm not calling him out on this <laughs> right like i'm not i'm not saying that don't, he's, don't
0: go vile with this internet. Right, right now
2: let's be clear i'm not saying that he's uncle ben right but i'm just saying like is he the guy on the box or is he the guy that's running the company and that's right. difficult for me to tell like with the nets but to be fair to him he parlayed his one half or one percent or whatever it is, and he got a lot out of it for himself. So right. like I respect Jay-Z as a hustler in that sense that he can figure out how to make money. The only problem I have is I do feel like he's discussing the context of power brokers in a way that I have not seen whether or not he's actually a power broker. Right. I think that he is at a position where he's visible enough that he can help make money for a lot of other people. But is he in charge of anything? Mm. Like I like say what you want. You look at uh Diddy, for example. Yes. Diddy's in charge Diddy's of in stuff. Charge. Like he legitimately wields power.
0: 50's in charge. Fifties in charge of right. stuff.
2: I can't quite tell exactly what Jay-Z is is in charge of. And if he's not in charge of anything, I don't begrudge him that fact. I just don't want people to tell me that he's in charge of something right, if right, he's not. Right, right, I get it. Because then we all get played, right? Because then it winds up being that your goal is thinking you're in charge, and you get up there and you're like, wait a minute, man, I just work for y'all still?
0: <laughs> you know, like, what's that about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm a casual sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but even casually, man, I'm looking at this LeBron hype, man. Is, is, is this LeBron mania too crazy, man?
2: I, I'm not a fan. Of this. And I think a lot of people think that because I live in Miami, I have a problem with it, and that's not it. Like, I'm not from Miami, I just got there. I am fascinated by a couple of things, though. One, he took over the game. Mm-hmm. He is so powerful right now. He basically runs an NBA franchise. He got all his buddies on the team and all of this other stuff. Like when he went back at first, I was like, dude, you can't go back to work for that man. And then I realized, oh, he's not going back to work for that man at all. That man's cutting him checks, but Great. LeBron's in charge here. Yes. You know, And Dan Gilbert's going to happily take all the money that comes from it. But I think LeBron looked up and realized this man going to be rich regardless. I can do what I want from here, and I'm going to pull it off. Now, what we have found, the numbers show this, all the popularity that he lost from the decision – he got right back just by going to Cleveland. Did
0: you think that shit was going to even be possible?
2: No, I did not. I, I Apparently, a lot of groundwork took place over a lot of years. I didn't think that they would ever leave Miami to go back to Cleveland. Now, maybe that was me applying my personal sensibilities. I can't— Because you wouldn't go— I, I'm not about that cold. <laughs> like, I'm not about that cold, but I also— I can understand how someone wouldn't want to live in Miami, right. and I don't know how it's, you know, there there have been competing narratives about how his family felt about living there. Some people say they wanted to stay. Some people say they wanted to leave. But all that popularity, people got it right back. They really eat up that going home thing, which I personally cannot relate to. Um, I grew up in Houston. I like Houston. I ain't going back. You sure not? Uh, my parents live, yeah. You sure
1: you're not going back to Houston?
2: Boy, it's been 17 years, my man. Dreams.
1: Yeah, there's that. There's that. <laughs> Yo, they got the best food after like 3 p.m., that 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 fried shrimp. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to say that. But did you see the Nike commercial that did. LeBron did? I what, did. What's your I, thoughts on that?
2: I did not think that that commercial was his idea. Mm. And the reason I say that is it was very clear about doing this for Cleveland fans. We're going to do this for Cleveland. We're going to do this for this city. show was dramatic, end. man. But if you look back at everything that he said, it's always about Akron. He's from Akron. AK. He's from Akron, and Akron and Cleveland are not the same place. Just because they're close to us doesn't mean that they're the same thing. And when he did his whole thing about coming back to Cleveland and Sports Illustrated, he specified how important Northeast Ohio was. He talked about how angry the Cleveland fans made him. He never said he forgave them necessarily. Then I look at that commercial, and Mm. they put that out there, and I'm like, we're really selling this. My larger problem, I don't understand why people think I'm supposed to root for Cleveland. Like, why am I supposed to feel bad for Cleveland? Right. I like me personally. Yeah. I don't understand. I, look. I root for Atlanta sports teams. Granted, the Braves won a world championship in 95. That's the only difference between Atlanta and Cleveland is a World Series that nobody remembers, right? Ain't nobody out here wrapping their arms around Atlanta talking about we hope you guys do well and it's so sad. Although, I got sadness. We all got sadness. <laughs> New, right? York, like, New York, yeah, got, New York sadness. got sadness. Shit. Like, Next tape. Right? Like, <laughs> how do we decide that we were going to wrap our arms around, around this Cleveland. team? And especially after the way they acted when LeBron left. Savages. Why would I want to continue exactly. to wrap my arms? And so right, right, right. I personally have a problem with this idea that I'm supposed to have a level of sympathy for people that I <laughs> honestly think just don't deserve it. Yeah, they want yeah. you to
1: love LeBron. But here, here it is, and I think the internets would definitely want to know, Bomani Jones, top three NBA players playing the game right now, why?
2: All right, top two are easy, right? LeBron's number one. I don't think that has to be explained. Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's number two, and I don't think that that one really has to be mm-hmm. explained number three is tricky because anthony davis is getting really good um and i don't think it'll be long before he is number three but what if i said russell westbrook Mm. like a healthy russell westbrook i love russell westbrook Mm. like i have come to this point where at first i was like i don't know what that guy's doing then i came to watch him and i'm like i've never seen any i've never seen anybody play that hard before in my life like last minute. There was a game against the Lakers last year where Russell Westbrooks took the ball, dunked from like one step inside the free throw line on people, came down the next time down the floor. It's the last two minutes of the game. He took off from the free throw line and tried a finger roll. A finger roll. Like it's crazy, it's whirling dervish, but that team they can't go far right. without Russell Westbrook. Right, right, right. Like, you know, it was like is he a real point guard or not? He's Russell Westbrook. Like, all that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, it don't matter. So you're going to get bad shots. You're going to get things that drive you crazy. And then you're going to get the incredible. You're going to get amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if he's the number three player in the league, but I'd like him to be the number three right. player I in the league. I I, like, I wish he was the third best player in yeah. the league.
0: What do you think about that think piece that came out recently about Kobe? Destroying I, the franchise and well, I being think, that selfish type of – it's a dilemma,
2: man, because right. I think a lot of it was true. And I know Henry, Henry Abbott wrote it. I know Henry, and I think a lot of people disbelieve that Henry had this vendetta against Kobe. And what, I Do not Do
0: you think it was a vendetta?
2: I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's the way to put it. I, right. I do think that Henry has been critical of Kobe over the years, but I don't think that Henry just woke up and decided, I'm going to come slam Kobe Bryant today. That wasn't it. I thought a lot of it made sense. Like the idea, if you were a big time player, would you want to go play with Kobe right now? Because Kobe doesn't know how to Kobe doesn't know how to make way. He doesn't know how to give room to people and he doesn't think he should have to give room to people and nobody wants to sign up for that. So Carmelo can say no, that's not the reason why. I didn't go to L.A. But if that was the reason why he didn't go to L.A., that wouldn't be a bad reason. Mm. you know. So I do think that people had questions about the sourcing on it, and I can understand where they were coming from on that, but there was nothing that was presented in there that was terribly implausible. Now, people have made the argument, well, the NBA shut down the Chris Paul trade, and that's why the Lakers aren't good. Well, um, the Dwight Howard trade did go through, and they still weren't good. Um, we could point to a, a few other things that happened. And they still weren't good. Kobe's just not really good at sharing. You know? And now when you're 36 years old, that's a problem.
0: You gotta share. You gotta
2: share. Now, I'm not convinced. I talked to somebody about this. I'm not convinced that the Lakers aren't tanking and just not saying it out loud. Mm. Because that team, I mean, look at that roster. That's awful. I mean, for that to be the Los Angeles Lakers and you wind up with that roster.
0: Which is crazy. It's it's so crazy. The Lakers used to be so great that I hated on on the Lakers. They were the team that I fucking wanted to hate on. And right now, it's like, I feel sorry for them, man.
2: You know how many times the Lakers have missed the playoffs since they moved to L.A.? Five. That's including last year. That's five in 52 years, I want to say. And they're going to miss the playoffs when this is done, three consecutive years. And Kobe's going to get his money. And I got no problem with that. (laughs) Just to be clear, Kobe's been underpaid for a long time, and they want to pay him $25 Mm -hmm. million this year? You take your $25 million. (laughs) I'm not even mad. Right. Get it.
0: Recently, man, and this shit had me laughing, man. You witnessed this whole thing. Down in Miami Beach, man, with fucking Charlemagne <laughs> and Mace and Charlemagne's goon, man. And I know you you, you I saw your shit on black. But can you share with us again what happened, man? Okay. You know, you know, Charlemagne's on the network. He's on yeah. he's on the network yeah. and 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 his goon wax, his name is Wax. Yeah. Wax Wax is not to be wax Internet. Oh. walks with gloves behind yeah, 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 his yeah, backpack. Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He's not to be trifled with. Right. Um and so this is the Revolt Music Conference is yes. going on. So our new studios for worker at the <laughs> Clevelander. So we're at 10th and Ocean at the Clevelander, and I'm looking out the window, and I saw Mace out there. I was like, oh, there's Mace. I was like, I wonder if Mace is here for the conference, because I don't know if Mace still makes music, right? You
0: went to college with Mace.
2: Briefly, yes. Mace showed up at Clark in 99. The right. fall of 99, he showed up. After
0: the whole—I remember After that. that. After that, he retired. He showed up. You're like, that's Mace on campus. Yeah, and it was funny, because, you know, all you
2: all these dudes from New York know each other, so we had a couple dudes from Harlem, so they knew Mace, right? right. So, like, they're Mace's boy. You got a
0: thing against cats from New York, man?
2: No, I do not. Okay. No, I've come to appreciate you dudes over the years. Right. I did. I, I
0: did. <laughs> what was it about New York Cats that you didn't kind of fuck with? No,
2: I'll tell you what it was. It was that I grew up listening to all the music out of New York. Like, I was the dude in Houston listening to all the music in New York. Right. And then I found out when I got to college, it was all these dudes from New York were going to be there. And I was honestly really looking forward to it because. I grew up in Houston and and I'm definitely from Houston, but I'm not like your standard dude from Houston, you know? So there were a lot of places that I felt like out of place. And then I'm like, I'm getting to Atlanta and there's going to be the New York cats and dog, man. Yeah, I was just some assholes. Like y'all just, can't, right, y'all just, right, y'all just right. can't help but tell everybody how stupid and country they you are. Right, you're right. And everything else. You, you're definitely right. And it was like fuck <laughs> it was like, fuck y'all. Like right. every single one of y'all. Like y'all ain't gotta be like this. You know? <laughs> I don't understand nothing y'all are saying either. Right, right. You know, right, right, and right. y'all are still doing this. We,
0: we talk funny too, huh? Yeah, man. I was just like, you know, <laughs> so I'm
2: like, what's this going on? But yeah, Mace, Mace just showed up. Mace was at Clark, so I was like, oh there's Mace. Mace was out there at the Clevelander. So um the convention was at the Fountain Blue, mm-hmm. and I live not too far from there. So I um, was with a guy from ESPN, and I say, hey, man, well, um, you got to go back to the hotel. Well, let's just go to the Fountain Blue. Let's get something to eat, and we'll just build because we're working on something. So we go sit down at the restaurant at Vita, and I got my back to the door. Like So where I'm sitting, there's like glass wrapped around. If you've ever been to the Fountain Blue, you know the restaurant yeah. is in the corner, and it wraps around. So I got my back to the glass, and I'm talking to my guy, and I turn around, and I look, and I was like, oh. Mace is at the Blue now. Well, apparently, me and Mace have the same, like, itinerary mm-hmm, today, mm-hmm. right? So, Mace is there, and I'm just minding my own business. Next thing I know, man, somebody's running Mace all the way up out the restaurant.
0: He's running. He, wo- he's
2: backing wo- up yeah backing up backing up he, fast. yeah he's backing up he's he he is not backing up on he is not backing up simply because he wanted to back up He is backing up because someone is approaching
0: and him. you've been around so you know when the energy yeah, in the yeah, room yeah, changes yeah, 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 yeah. it was that type yeah, of energy yeah, yeah yeah i know what time it with is with shit like clinking like yeah. forks and glasses Oh, doing it was hardly anybody there because it was like three or four o'clock
2: in the afternoon okay like it was like late lunch early dinner right, time right, right. right? when so, they go
0: through that transition
2: yeah so he's getting backed out and me i'm a matter like What's going on? Because we don't have any idea. So it's this dude. He's wearing this white shirt. It's like tight white shirt. You can tell he's swole. Dreads. He's got, he got, all, he got some dreads. He's got on some like uh, camo pants. Like, I don't, <laughs> they weren't like, you know. I'm, I'm, camo joggers? They weren't, not quite joggers, but they weren't tight. I mean, Chinos. they were loose. They weren't loose. You know what I
0: mean? And he's got on Tim's. Who's walking around Miami at the and Blue in a pair of Timbs? In 2014. It's it's 85 (laughs) degrees outside, right? Maybe 1997, but not 2014. All I'm saying
2: is the dude that's walking around there with Timbs is not to be trifled with, which was made abundantly clear by the fact that Mace is walking backwards, right? right? And so Mace is going back. This dude's trying to get at him. Somebody's in between. And I look up, and I'm like, yo, this dude is reaching in his pocket, and he pulls some gloves out. And he's what, what color gloves? They were black. Black, black gloves. Yeah, and I, I couldn't tell if they were like wide receiver gloves or new gloves, but they were gloves. Is he putting them on? He was putting them on. He was putting them on. Like they were not the gloves that would like protect your face or your hand, like, padding, They were like to stop your knuckles from getting scratched on teeth.
0: Yeah, they would like, intensify what... that blow. Right, right. So then Mace is backing up, and now Mace is trying to go back You didn't out pull of... out the phone, man?
2: Dude, I was too busy. Bi- I was honestly <laughs> when I... I there was, I tried to get just a couple of photographs because I wanted somebody to identify the dude for right, me, right. right? Wax. But I didn't want to... Uh, they wouldn't... Look, the last thing you want somebody to do is just catch you out here willy-nilly taking pictures, right? Everybody, <laughs> uh, everybody turned into the cops. Like People were like, why well, the cops got a problem with you taking pictures? Go take a picture of a random dude on the street and see how quick he turned into the cops right yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm trying to get i can't get a good look at it they're going and then mace is going they, they're going back and forth and the dude with the gloves is like you know that shit was wrong you know that shit was wrong i have no idea what's going on so you still didn't see charlemagne yet no 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 i never saw charlemagne okay, okay. that was what was wild about it okay i never saw charlemagne so he's backing up and then mace you know he's in the mace voice he's like man i left a 100 people back there right i'm like well, they ain't here. They ain't here. Right? So what's going on? So somebody's breaking it up. Security comes, and they start waiting. So the next thing I know, the dude with the gloves, he's now taking the gloves back off, and he's got them dangling out of his pocket. Somebody's over here talking to him. About 20 feet the other way, somebody's talking to Mace, and Mace had that look on his face like, man, I didn't want this. Like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but how, he's-
0: How you going to leave the clergy and come back to this shit?
2: I, that's a great question. What's the shit
0: that chased you out that's a great of, the, of the game.
2: That's a great question, right? He, he's over there. Somebody's talking to him. And then this, at some point, they finally brought it back together. And they reconvene. And they dap up. And they cool. But there was a good 15 minutes, it felt like, that they were like close enough to each other to see each other. But everybody's trying to calm it down. I'm like, look, man. If y'all not going to fight, somebody got to (laughs) leave. Like, I I, I thought those are the rules. Don't stay. Somebody say, why are y'all still here? So, like, they went ahead and they got it rectified. So, I saw it, and I didn't say anything because I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that somebody had run up on Mace, and I saw Mace retreat. Now,
0: how did your story break out?
2: Well, what happened was I looked up the next day. I was talking to somebody at the convention, and they told me that it was Mace and Charlemagne. Right. And I didn't. I never saw Charlemagne. Like, I never saw what actually made this happen. But I definitely never saw Charlemagne. So when I saw the story break out, I was like, wait a minute.
0: You started so, putting two so, and two together.
2: Well, I, well, the question I had was, did Mace get into another fight? Like, was just Mace just fighting all weekend? I let <laughs> now let Charlemagne <laughs> tell it. Charlemagne hit me on Twitter and said, apparently, that was, he said Mace was wilding out all weekend. Right. I have no idea. But I saw that it was the Charlemagne story. And I was like, the last thing I want is people thinking that if, I'm having dinner and all of a sudden something break out then I'm going to be the one to run and tell. Right, right, right. But then once it was out there, I was like, right, run, I need, I needed to tell somebody. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine just going to have lunch and the next thing you know, somebody <laughs> running mace up out of a restaurant and, With you can't, gloves and, boots and, on. and you can't tell nobody? <laughs> you know, because if I tell anybody, it's going to become a story. Yeah. So then when I did the podcast, I was like, all right, I'll just go ahead and tell the story. And while I'm telling it, I was like, look, I don't know who this dude was. I'm like, I keep hearing about Wax. Charlemagne. and That's what somebody said. They were like, if he had baseball gloves, it was uh, Charlemagne's bodyguard Wax. I was yeah. like, well, apparently it was Wax. I'm telling you, man, I don't think you want it with Wax. And the no, big reason no, I don't no, think you, you don't want it with wax, wax. wax is that it was very clear to me that what Wax don't smile, dude. He does not smile. And whatever Mace did, Wax felt that unequivocally he was in the right. Like, Wax was like, Mace is wrong. It was a matter of principle. He didn't have his voice raised about it. Oh, he was principle. It, it was just too. a matter. He was like, yo, well, what shit you do was wrong. That Pete, was it.
0: Pete, how many times did we see Wax? Uh, about two, three. Yeah, and and, and and there's no playing with that dude. No. No, how you doing, Mr. Wax? Good. Yeah.
2: And y'all talk. And y'all talk about why you didn't get no pictures.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yo, that's exactly yo, why we should, didn't get no yo, pictures. Yo,
0: poor Mace man. Did you hear about the the, the show he did the other day in <laughs> yes. the UK? Yes. He, he was he was a headliner, and it was Fat Joe and 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 and, and Foxy Brown. They yep. were at a venue capacity of three thousand, and there's only fifty people.
2: That's unfortunate.
0: And 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 Mace is arguing with Foxy Brown. That's the fucking show I wish I was at. <laughs> hey, but you know, Though here's what I got to say for Mace, though.
2: Sounds like Mace took care of his money. Yeah. Which you know, Puffy normally doesn't let you do that, but mm-hmm. it sounds like he took care of man He had a rather sizable chain on, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard. You know, we ain't seen Mace do that stuff that screams out broke. We ain't right. seen him in the shitty movies. You know, I mean,
0: you know, and and and, and God pay, the God business pays well too. It does. You I mean that pays very well?
2: It does. It does. Like I say, I don't like Mace. I can't say I did not see Mace get beat up. Like okay. I can be clear about right. that. It was not. There was no fisticuffs involved in that. But there
0: was a lot of backing there, up.
2: There was. He was definitely <laughs> dropping back into that. Uh, into that cover too. And yeah. to be clear. I would have done the exact, the exact same, same thing, thing in the same situation. Like I ain't calling him a punk. That was not a fight. Like I don't think there's anything noble about getting your ass whooped. No, no, like no. like sometimes it's what you got to do. That didn't seem like a time where he just had to get I, his ass. Whooped.
0: I'm running from wax to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm running from wax. Yeah, he, got too. he got Tim's on. Yeah, yeah. He's going,
2: you're, you're going to have to catch me. I'm you know going what, to run.
0: man? Charlemagne deserves thumbs up for hiring the right dude, man. Yeah, he's a soldier. He's a soldier. After that whole, let me get a drop shit, no more.
2: Well, it's funny, though, because you were talking about do I have security. I was like, no, I don't need security. I told somebody about Charlamagne have security, and they were like, well, you know, what's he need security for? I'm like, because he'd be on the radio talking about rappers. Yes. Yes, he needs security. (laughs) Yes. And this is your example right now. Like, you can't tell me Charlamagne don't need security while I tell you a story about somebody running up on him. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. There you go. Oh, well, man, so what, funny. Sorry.
2: Monty, what's up with
0: the podcast? How you doing with the podcast, <laughs> do, We're doing good, man.
2: Um, we do the Evening Jones right. seventh We do it live seven thirty Eastern at the and then we put it out. You know, I've never actually seen like subscriber numbers. Okay. On it, I've, I mean, I've never really been concerned with that. I started doing it when I didn't have enough platforms to talk about sports, and then now that I do it with ESPN, I can't talk about sports on there because they're mm-hmm. saying if I'm gonna do a sports podcast, I should do it for them, which right. is. Perfectly reasonable mm-hmm. um, given the situation I'm in. But you want to make my day see me on the street and be like, yo, I really like the podcast. Right. Like that's because that's my thing. And we've been working on this for a long time. And this is where the community that I've built that I built through the radio shows and stuff like that, like this is where we can get together and we can reconvene. And it allows me, I do a lot more than sports. And it allows me to do those things and kind of have fun with people and be personal. And we can, you know, tell stories and just kind of laugh at what's going on. So like every Monday, Mondays are my long days. I normally have to do both those TV shows and then I do the podcast that night. But the podcast is always a winner. My buddy Lance Gilliam handles all the stuff behind the scenes. Like that's where my company and the people that I work with, we can, this is our thing that we get to continue to do.
0: It's amazing. Like how all of a sudden now podcasts are the thing. It is. It's like, it's the thing. And like, I'm reading these articles and, you'd be surprised how many people like, we got to do a show, we got to do a podcast and this and that. It's like, it's like the new rap game yeah. in a sense.
2: But you know what's happening now also is people are figuring out how to make money off right. of it. Right, so right. like, I don't know what the situation is currently with ESPN, right. but I know for a while when they didn't know how to make money off of it, they're like, well, the money's going to come, so we need to be in the space so that when people do show up with the money, they will be there. there so like yeah. with my podcast, I never really worried about making money off of it. It was just something you did because whenever the money came if there's the value in that podcast for me is it allows me to do something that I can't do at work and it allows me to attract an audience. You could not care anything about sports and you can listen to that podcast and you can still get the vibe of what I'm doing so then whatever I do next, you know, those people may wind up showing up. So I was never concerned with the money. I've spent a lot of money on that podcast too and I was not concerned with the money that was coming in on it. Now we're getting to a point where we can start talking about those things, but people do listen to these podcasts.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's it's, it's so amazing. What I love about the whole podcast game is this shit is so intimate with your audience. Like my audience gets so mad at me for certain things and they get so happy about certain things and I just love that that closeness, man, that doesn't what, exist anyplace else on the media landscape, man. That's what, I, I, don't that's what man. I
2: don't have on TV. Right. Like, that's the thing. If there's anything that I miss about what I do now versus the things I did before, like the Morning Jones, the radio show I did on Sirius, you listen to that, dude. I love that show, dude, I Like, I You were accessible. I can hang, I hang out with those people. Yeah. Like, with Mike Hitman's birthday party and, like, 10 of us flew to Chicago and we hanging out on the west side of Chicago- for Mike's birthday, you could do that. In, that was like a pl- that was like a podcast on steroids, basically. Yeah. But radio in that spoken medium is so much more intimate. TV is so sterile, and everything has to be on point. we got to do this. We got to yeah. do that. And you got a million people working behind it. But with podcasts and stuff like don't, that, don't I'm, stop doing it. Man. I'm all oh, dude. I can't. Don't I can't. Stop doing it. People. I think there there have been times where people have asked would I stop it or what it would take, and there have been opportunities that have come up, and it is still very important to me to keep that because that intimacy I think a lot of what I've been able to build has become been because a lot of the people who have been around this for a while feel like they know me and they're close to me in that respect and once you lose that it stops being the same kind of fun like I love the guys I do the tv show with I enjoy every minute of it but I like the intimacy that I have with my audience. Where we can take questions, and I can clown you; and you can clown me back. You know, and like, because you a little bit of social whatever it media. Yeah, yeah, and then we go, and then, that, but then that's also how other people get on. So, like my man Rodimus Prime, for example, he's living on his podcast now. Okay, he is like literally a nine to five podcaster. He used to call the he used to call the Morning Jones and wrap up the show with the call in that last segment. He now has a podcast that he and his wife do. They've been doing it for a while now, and he lives on that podcast. And he was doing that podcast before he came across me and everything else. But I really feel like with what you're doing and what he's doing and a lot of other people that listen to that show, that, that intimacy we talk about we have a network of people yep. that's still together, and that we all built it up. Like people who listen to those shows are friends to these days. I know people who met through that show who literally moved in together, like uh, do guy and girl, like fly across the country, go live together and stuff like that. Like that's the real that, cool that's, that's stuff, real, that's, that's you know. That in, yeah. that's what that that's what I loved about doing this. Like I sat on there, I cried when that radio show mm. went away because that I knew it would never be like that again. Right. That I'd never be able to get that that kind of intimacy. So when I see the people doing podcasts, I applaud anybody. That's taking that time. But look, people are putting in grind and effort and imaging is, and everything that's else. That's it is right
0: now. But the, but but it's not work. It's like, yeah, I, I feel so alive doing this shit, yeah. man.
2: Like, dude, I've been, I do I have flew in here three hour flight to get here. I came straight here off the plane. Thank you so much, I came much, here man. and we've been and posted th- Thanks
0: for re- reaching out too, man. Oh, I appreciate yeah. dude, that. Dude, no problem. Because this is what this is what it is. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. this is
2: there's no way that we weren't gonna come back. And do this again because this is, this is what makes this kind of worth doing. You yes, know, sir. you can do it for money and you do it all stuff, but this because is. Because you're
0: doing other shit for money.
2: Yeah, this is. Like I was saying, this is fine, this yeah. is, but this is where we at. And you can't, for me especially, the people who were around when we first started doing this, it's very, very important to me that everybody understands that I didn't change, just all this other Everything, stuff did yeah. <laughs> you, you know, go, that's the wildest realization.
0: There you go. But Monty, man, thank you, dude. Thank you, and, and and like like I've told you before, and like you know, man, you always have an open invitation.
2: No, not appreciate. Honestly, I thank you sincerely because like when we first started doing that show on the radio, like when people started calling, because like how do you get callers on serious? I can't make people subscribe, right. you know. So when I started getting callers from calls from cats like you, it would be like, yo, I got this to listen to Howard Stern, but I turn off Stern for a little yep. bit to go check this out. Like yep. That was a big deal. That was a for sweet
0: me. spot for you, man. man. Well, it was a sweet spot for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd listen to Stern, but then I'd turn to your show, and it's like, you're talking to me.
2: Yeah, and it was funny, because when I first started the show they asked me because Sirius was encouraging people not to do morning shows mm. because you're basically going against the franchise right. and then the station I was on finally decided no we're going to be like a real station we're going to do a morning show and they came to me and they said oh, how do you feel about competing with Howard Stern and Mike and Mike I was like you're not, with- you're not really competing but even if we were we going somebody going to be on no matter what time it is right, right? so we're just going to do this show yeah. and I figured there were going to be some people that didn't want to listen to Howard every hour every day and they would turn over and so it was a real validation for me to find out somebody actually had done
0: that, yep. you know? I remember when y'all used to talk about Dirty, was it? Dirty The Dirty Max. The
2: Dirty Max. The Dirty
0: Max and the whole nine, man, yo. You come a long way, dude.
2: I appreciate it. Hey, we still going, man. Yeah, you still, still. I can't stop now.
3: Don't
0: stop, man. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm really happy for you, man. When I heard the news that 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 you were going to ESPN, man, I couldn't wait to talk to you, man. I called you and I That's was
2: like, right. yo, full <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. It's no. still crazy. Like I say, the happiest day for me is like when my friends come to visit. and They hadn't been through for a while, and they come to the spot, and we like open the door, and all of a sudden it becomes giddy for me again
0: too, <laughs> because
2: I'm legitimately surrounded by people close to me where right. nobody's hating. Like that's there's good, no man. jealousy. That's there's good, nothing that's like good. that. It speaks like,
0: to your character, man.
2: Man, you know what though? It really speaks to them. You mm. know what I mean? Like I've been fortunate enough to be around people who can be happy for me for the things that I do and I can be happy for them and the things I do, like I can share it like the, the times that this isn't fun is that it's been a tunnel vision sort of work for so long that it can be hard to share because I'm always in it myself, right. you know? So when I have those moments where somebody can come through, we can just go hang out or whatever it is. And it's just like, Hey man, this is us. Cause I did not get here by myself. None like, of us, like none you of know, us like did. my best friend died in college. How did I survive? It was with the people that were around. My friend died just recently. How do I get through those things? I flunked out of graduate school. How did I get through that? Like That was the hardest one. I flunked out of graduate school after I'd never failed at anything Mm. before in my life. And all those people who were around me, nobody was like, damn, I thought you were da-da-da. And instead, it was more so, well, I guess it just means you need to go find something else. Let's go. And that's, you know, that's how I could be here is because of the support of those people. And now that we're here, none of them are then trying to knock it down. They're all like, see, I told you you could do this. And I'm fortunate to have been surrounded by those people.
0: Yep. internet. Bomani Jones, you can catch his show, The Evening Jones, every Monday.
2: Monday at seven thirty Eastern.
0: On it, uh, it's it's live, and then you put it on iTunes. That's right. We okay. put
2: it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and all the places.
0: Okay, and then you also co-host ESPN 2s Highly Questionable. That's when right. When does that come on?
2: That comes on at four o'clock Monday through Friday on ESPN Two. My PR man at ESPN thanks you kindly for remembering to drop yes, that yes, in there. Yes, he
0: said, <laughs> make that happen. But Bomani Jones, man, thank you again, man. This has been an excellent. Episode man and continued success.
2: Hey, man, appreciate it. Wait, wait,
0: wait. When does when does the when was the, when does the thirty for thirty? Oh, November eleventh. It'll be 11th. November eleventh at nine
2: o'clock. They gave us an hour, so we're gonna have an hour on the day. First, we only had thirty minutes. We got them to give us an hour, so it'll be an hour on Randy Moss. And it's a really interesting story okay. that I think a lot of people don't know about the circumstances around him going to jail in high school and all the stuff that came around that. Like I think people will learn a lot about him. And it's really honestly a story about West Virginia mm. and. How that molded him and all the things that went on. So I think it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to learn from.
1: Excellent. There you have it, Pete. Good to see you, Bomani. Appreciate it, man. I tell you, you're always ripping and running always escalating so hopefully next time we see you it's another tax bracket. hopefully
2: sure and the best part about this is this time i come here and i didn't accidentally call you puerto rican like i did the last time <laughs> that i did the show
1: yeah that's uh, all right i mean I don't, I don't remember that <laughs> no nah, he did he did yeah. but it's all good a lot of people i mean i felt, think so, I'm puerto-
2: I felt so awful <laughs> <laughs> i felt so awful i was like wait a minute, you not know, puerto rican hey that's some shit
1: not no a, i'm italian <laughs> i mean listen I'm, I'm proud of time but at the at the end of the day It's always good to see you. It's inspiring. Like I said, you're always ripping and running. You're always up to something. Even when you're down, you find a way to come, you know, up to the top and stuff like that. So, you know, it's important to see that. I greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you. Internets.
0: Dream those dreams and man up and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in Technicolor and surround sound. Wow. Numenati! This episode of The Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Menna. Executive produced by A-King and Chris Morrow engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.